had it. I remember we're not like lactating for the first time. I remember it. I remember my first lactation. Oh. <laughs> did you force it out? Yeah, I did. I, I was, did too. I was playing with it and squeezing it, and liquid came out, and I got real scared and told my dad. <laughs> How in the hell are you supposed to bench 600 pounds when your titties are lactating? <laughs> I don't ever expect to bench 600 pounds. Oh. So. Yeah. I'd be cool with like consistently benching over 400. <laughs> 350. Did you know that everybody benches 350? Everybody in high school benched 350. Everybody claims to bench yeah. 350. Oh, yeah. Like uh, when we go to um, we go to trade shows, we go to the Arnold and we go to the, these different shows and uh, we'll ask somebody, we'll size them up <clears throat> for a slingshot and try to see what slingshot's appropriate for them. And every guy is 350. And then I'm like, well, what is 350 on the bar? And they're like, well, it's, um, I'm like, you never did 350. <laughs> Because 350 is actually very complicated to get on the bar. Kid in high school. One <laughs> you got to do a lot of math. Oh, yeah. 350 Three, pounds on the 350 bar. 350 is a lot of plates. Kid in high school one time told me he benched 326. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, like you competitively powerlift? He's like, nah. And I'm like, where the fuck did the 11 pounds <laughs> yeah. come from? I'm like, oh. Yeah, how'd you get this weird mix of weights? <laughs> Good for you. 315 or 325, not 326. 326. The clips. Oh, where'd you compete? So, I've, I've so what, what, uh, you know, We've had a lot of people on here, you know, in the past of, we've had like scientists, doctors and all kinds of different people, uh, that have come through and we've had some experts on like digestion and nutrition. And, and I heard you guys talking in the break room and it sounds like you guys are experts when it comes to poop. <laughs> and so I have a, I have a very serious poop question and I think okay. Andrew is going to have some follow-up as well. Cause he's Absolutely. got, he's got worse problems than I do. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I have the answer. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> I think that you guys will be able to help me quite a bit. So I, I do my business in the morning. Like I wake up pretty early and, um, it's probably about an hour after I awake, but it doesn't really matter if I eat food or not. It's just an hour after I'm awake, mm-hmm. I have to poop. So I know this. So I wake up in preparation for this and I try not to, uh, have to, uh, shit when I come here. So I try to take care of business at home. And I poop and my whole body, include my brain, everybody's involved. And we have this discussion. Okay. Like we're done, right? Like everybody's good. Like we agreed. We, we sat down, we took the time to take a dump. Um, and we'll take extra time to try to force anything extra out in case there's extra there. And it's like, nope, it seems like everything's sealed up. You're good to go, buddy. Stand up, uh, clean everything up, get out of there. Maybe I uh, cook or maybe I, you know, uh, start prepping to, to leave the house. I'll get some uh, food uh, prepared for the day, load it into my car. And I'm like, yep, all right, time to go. And I'll start my car and I'll be like, oh my God, <laughs> I have to shit again. Yep. So the second wave comes in and Andrew and I just been uh, made aware that that's what it's called. It's called the second wave. Mm-hmm. And, and. I don't know what to do about this second wave, how to handle it, how to deal with it, but it slows down my day and it makes me late all the time for stuff. So you, you, you perform the second wave when you get to work then, or do you go back into the driveway, get out of the car? It's an emergency. Yeah. I I gotta go. I'm (laughs) like holding. It stops at the gas station, 7-Eleven. I don't think holding your butt cheeks helps, but I hold my butt cheeks (laughs) as I'm running to the door. Yeah. It's holding your butt cheeks. I feel like it's more like a, it's a butthole flexing. Like you gotta, you have to. You have to figure There's out. There's a lot more to it yeah. than just squeeze than physically with your hands squeezing your cheeks together. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I've never done that one. 
Mm. I've never tried to do that. Andrew had some like a technique. You got to keep the knees bent a little bit. You yeah, said right. Yeah, yeah. And then you can't like if 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 it hits you, if you run in the house, as soon as it hits you, it is you're just you're asking for it. So you kind of so you wait, can't go into a full sprint. You wait for the pressure to kind of relieve itself, and then you take off. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. because usually if you time it right, by the time it starts to build up again, that's when you're sitting down and you're just fucking squirting everywhere. And see, <laughs> the second wave is annoying to me because when I'm preparing to to take my normal timed poops. You know, I pull golf clash out, log in, make sure all my rewards are up to date, (laughs) you know, pick the proper, you know, golf course that I want to golf on, (laughs) get everything nice situated, get my dude wipes off to the side Mm -hmm. and, uh, and yeah, I use wipes, man. I have like five years of powerlifting hemorrhoids. I just can't do, I can't do TP. <laughs> yeah, because like yeah. we said on the you podcast. Yeah, the wipes. Oh, yeah, I do have to do baby wipes. So yeah, I actually, I had, wipes? so yeah. after the bodybuilding show that I did, everyone told me of like the catastrophic like shits that I'm going to take and they were right. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy because you go from not eating to, you know, eating whatever you want. And, uh, it was, it was pretty bad, but I, I couldn't believe what a bitch I was. I was so sensitive to the, like a regular toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. I was like, we gotta, we gotta stop off and we gotta get, so I used my wife's, uh, like stuff that she uses to remove makeup. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I think this will work. And I was like, are you sure? I'm like, I don't want to put weird stuff up there. And she's like, yeah, go for it. And she's a genius. It saved my life. That's a, that's a good, that's a good. I was in a bind. I was in a tough spot. Like it was bad. I'm probably just going to switch. Now I travel with that. Cause you can get like, you can't always get baby wipes at the airport, which I <laughs> had to find out the hard way too, but you can get those makeup things just about anywhere. Mm. On, on my life, mm. I packed. I the, shouldn't have gave that away for free. I should not. I should not have given that away for free. That should have been a. Yeah, on my life, I brought my little gym bag here to train, and I made sure that the only the only accessory I brought with me was the travel size of wipes, just in case I not just in case. I, I, let's be honest. I'm going to poop twice while I'm here. Yeah, because the water's turned back on, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna switch to wipes because I'm sick of my finger breaking through the toilet paper and. That it can happen. Yeah, it can happen. It's happened to me a lot. And and in powerlifting too. I mean, you get before before you you know really start eating and 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 meal prepping and eating all the, the extra food because you're you know lifting all the weights. You're you're used to maybe one, maybe two poops a day. I, I've always been like a six time a day. Shitter. That's what I'm saying. I've been it, like my whole life. And, yeah. And they're never they're never the ghost high poops. frequency. Yeah, they're never the ghost poops. They're the ones that you hmm. wipe and wipe. And wipe and wipe. and it's like you're it's a color like, crayon. Yeah, you're wipping a marker. Dude, yeah. just... Wiping an expo marker. That's what I would say. It's, like, uh, it's expo marker shit. Yeah, exactly. So, like, the... how much more could possibly be in there? <laughs> What's happening? Here? So, wipe PR. So, wipe. <laughs> wipe. <laughs> well, I guess we learned so far: the more you eat, the more you poop. The more you poop. Yep. So we're getting we're getting somewhere. Yeah. I think people have known that for a couple hundred years, but we can say we can. It's the old the, <laughs> yeah. old the old beans yeah. the old bean song when you were a kid. Yeah. Beans. You know? Beans. The, the more you eat, the more you toot. What is it? Yeah. What is something like that? Yeah, but the it's beans the more you means eat. the magical fruit. The, the more, more you eat, eat, the more you toot. Yeah, but mm. it's the more you eat, the more you poop. The more you ah. poop, the better you feel. Yeah. More food. <laughs> more poop. Well, let's, uh, I think people uh, listening are probably getting confused because we're getting too scientific. Yeah. You know, we're getting too Very. far into the weeds. So what happened with the water here? I get uh, a call from Smokey. His voice is all shaky all right. and he's like, so I'll start the story. The water got knocked out and I'm like, what the hell is he I'll talking about? I'll start the story. We walked in and Jessica wanted to give us our little um, tour. And she's just like, you guys want to throw axes or shoot bows? And I was like, fucking duh. Are we men? Like, Are we men? Duh. I mean, yeah. And so um, I had my fiance Kaylee shoot first and then I shot and then Mike shoots. 
And so Mike, his first one hit the target pretty good. And the second one, um, <laughs> he pulls back and shoots, hits the wood. And then you hear, <laughs> and behind, somehow, behind the, like, the board that's there behind the targets, it went through that board and hit the one-inch copper pipe. Oh, that's not even an inch. That copper mm-hmm. pipe is not... There was a perfect amount of space <laughs> above and below the arrow in the pipe. And we hit that wood multiple other times, and none of the arrows went that far. So we think he probably also hit an old hole. Mm. And then... <laughs> I felt terrible. <laughs> I, I felt absolutely <laughs> terrible. Hey, good thing it wasn't a gas line. <laughs> I was... <laughs> I was saying whole place blow up. Hey, we good, broke super train. It's a good thing the water line was on the outside of the drywall. Like that was what I was thinking too afterwards. If we would have had to bust through the drywall yeah. and figure out, you know, how to stop that. I mean, I didn't help at all. I just, I'm saying like we figure out. I didn't do anything. Like I tried, but everybody's so hospitable here. I was like, <laughs> let me let me help. Let me pay for it. No, no, it's okay. And then, like, I walk away. That's because it's my money. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. Because <laughs> no, everybody's like, fucking high here. I don't want to be. That, I don't want to be that <laughs> guy. Like Mark will pay for it. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. You know, I was like, they don't know me. And then everybody's like, I can't believe this asshole. Just, I'm like, I, I'm sorry. You know. <laughs> yeah, my wife was like, "What a terrible shot." I was like, "What an amazing shot." Right, that's what I <laughs> I'm said. I'm like, really? I was like, think if, about it. Like, we tried. We sat there for like four hours. We would never hit it. No, that's what I said. I was like, Mark probably will think this is badass. and it was it was still within like three or four inches of the target it wasn't like it was like (laughs) i thought it was great until i got here this morning and i couldn't the second wave hit me on my drive second wave and i was like wow okay i gotta squat and this is happening (laughs) how's this gonna work so i had to just stay clenched up the whole time that was the hardest leg day that we've had since we started it was because i couldn't shit and honestly really bad like now i feel the worst ever like when (laughs) when i said i felt bad yesterday's happening and the two of you had to hold both of your second wave mm-hmm. shits in, I honestly, I can't live with myself. <laughs> I think every shit I have is like a second wave from the previous shit, though. You could send us like, a nice so card or something, or letter. Okay. Write us a nice letter. It would be nice. That would be, yeah. that'd be a good place to start. Okay. That's, that's right. Yeah. A letter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how'd you guys get into powerlifting? He was in it before me, so I'll let him go first. Honestly, um, I've always been into lifting, and I genetically was not am not built like a power lifter and uh i was always a good bencher even when i was quite a bit smaller like i i weigh just at 200 pounds now like 201 202 and uh when i started lifting i weighed about 149 pounds i was still kind of like benching around like the 300 the 300 range and stuff just always a decent bencher and then i started looking up you know power lifting videos on on youtube and and checking out you know all these guys that were you know, benching all these enormous amounts of weight. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do this just with bench. My very first powerlifting meet I did was a bench only. Um, I think I benched like 323 at like 171 pounds or something like that. Um, and then as like, as I evolved, I, at that meet, I saw, you know, a couple guys deadlifting. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, I, I want to do that too. And, uh, you know, so it, it evolved from there, but honestly, the the main thing that got me into it was watching um i i lifted at a lot of commercial gyms <laughs> and uh if you go around our area where you know where we where we live where the gym that i own is um i was kicked what out area of, is that in south bend indiana yep uh gym's called east race muscle the gym so, got kicked out you talking about charter 
All of them. I oh, mean, yeah. we, we were kicked out of every commercial gym yeah. for deadlifting, for yelling, for chalk. chalk. Yeah. We'd bring our own music. Yeah. A couple we times. actually, a funny story, when we first met and we were powerlifting at this gym, someone left a note <laughs> at the time, uh, they, before we were muscle, we were like Team Huff Fitness. <laughs> and someone just left a note on the counter that said, Team Huff Fitness, no shirts, loud noises. <laughs> then people would leave notes that we were stealing bars because I'd bring my own deadlift bar in. Uh-huh. And so they'd see us walk out with it and they're like, hey, these guys are stealing bars like every night. Yeah, you just count the bars. <laughs> I mean, at some point, you realize that there's no bars left in the no. gym, as many bars as we take out. But um, I wanted a, I like at that point there was the powerlifting scene, I guess, in our area in the Midwest in general was non-existent outside of Columbus. Yeah, there, it, there was nothing there. And uh, you know, we started off with just a few guys, more or less, as a club, um, getting together, and it, it was more on the motivation side because we were yeah. able to lift together. <laughs> build each other up and you know it's a g- good way of like che- you know checks and balances among five dudes too it yeah was like a, it was a g- it was a good way just to make sure that like all of us were together in the same place you know doing our thing right so we you know at, at one point we were tired of being kind of kicked out or like handcuffed at the commercial gyms that we were at and so um i own a couple other businesses in one of our warehouses um we threw up an old <laughs> shitty Deadlift platform, a squat rack, and a bench that we built. We built the bench. Yes, <laughs> that is a true story. And uh, we started lifting in the corner of the warehouse. Well, we, you know, started throwing things up on social media. People would hit hit me up and say, "Hey, I, you know, I want to come lift with you guys. Is that cool?" So we moved to the other corner, yeah. of the warehouse, which is like a big old back storage room. And so five people turn into ten people, turn into fifteen people, and at this point, you know, I was kind of thinking maybe I have something here, you know, and shit or get off the pot and. So I pulled the trigger on a building, and uh, we opened up. I would say a little over two years ago now. Um, yeah, pretty, two pretty years s- in September. Yeah, pretty small group of people that were really into the strength, strength training, the powerlifting, Olympic lifting uh, side of it, and uh, it's grown exponentially. And to be honest with you, um, we're the only, <laughs> we're the only powerlifting strength training facility in our area, and pretty much the only thing outside of Chicago mm. within a tri-state yeah. area. Yeah. Um, so we get a lot of people that travel just to come train at our facility. And there ain't shit else to do around there, right? There's but, not. There's not shit else to do. Uh, I mean. Drugs. Yeah. Go to the, go to the University Park Mall. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. But to. I think they call it fuck all out there. There fuck ain't all. fuck all to do. There right? ain't fuck all to do. <laughs> no, there ain't fuck all to do. But to kind of go back to how me and this little guy got into it together he was Uh, i can tell that part i can tell that part all right go ahead. i want to tell that part so (laughs) at the time i was like i was working three jobs and i was fresh out of high school and i wanted to go into physique (laughs) and so i was working at a world gym and um i fucking hated it it was a horrible fucking job but i also did personal training out of a gym called uh machine workout machine workout and so one day i'm in there and um there's guys two bearded guys one's fucking fat and bald and the other one's got tattoos down his arm and um they're just like fucking i don't know what they're doing but they're being fucking loud and like at the time like i thought it was cool and so i didn't say anything to him but then there was like a, a girl in the group at the time Who's the fat and bald one is that evan, evan. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh sorry um, evan I, he's i know he's listening too yeah. he's, he's still fat and bald <laughs> he is still fat and bald and so um fat bald evan um Basically, I, I lifted with one of the other people in the group, and then they invited me to come to, like, the quote-unquote team training. It's just kind of been one of those things where ever since, like, I haven't, even though I've, I moved, in, I live in Indianapolis now, and he lives in South Bend, um, I've still, like, East Race Muscle and, like, that group and, like, that camaraderie we built, like, 
That's my life. But the the path, like <clears throat> Garrett's path, has always been the two of us. Yeah. I mean, we from the second that uh, the second I met him, and you know, he kind of started putting his trust into me, and I learned his background, his <clears throat> his story, his life. It definitely reminded me a lot of my own, and so I kind of like took him more under my wing, yeah. and I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about with powerlifting. Everything I'd learned was... What's the age difference between you two? He's 34 and I'm 21. Okay, there we go. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so everything that I was learning was just ab absorbing everything I possibly could, so I was trying to teach him based off of limited knowledge of just lifting and powerlifting. Teenation forums and shit. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it, and it, I mean, it worked. It really did. At the did. time it did. Yeah, definitely. It was, um, we, our bench workouts were purely built off of a bench matrix that yeah. we found online. And like, um, it was an old mu muscle and fitness magazine from like 1983. The first push pull I did with them, like two days out, I like hit a deadlift PR. Like we, <laughs> we didn't know fucking shit that we didn't know anything. Yeah. It was, it was fun. Being from Indiana, you know, that's a, a hotbed. Uh, for wrestling, professional wrestling. Are there one of you guys into professional wrestling? Oh, yeah. I grew up very into professional oh, yeah. wrestling. I, I think that you can't yeah. live in that area without being uh, into it. Uh, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time is from there, Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. that's where he uh, that's where he grew up. But he talked a lot about, you know, living in that area and how he never realized, um, you know, how much depression was a huge part yeah. of his life and his family's life. And he didn't know until he got older until he moved to like arizona he didn't really understand it, it was strictly just the weather it's the mainly, weather it's mainly just the weather it wasn't really necessarily like all these people in this area suck it was the weather and it pisses off everybody in the it area. pisses everybody off yeah. and then you, literally you're not getting the same amount of sunlight so mm -hmm. there's uh physiological things going on inside your body and there's things that are causing um this real world these real world problems you know and then um <clears throat> On top of that, a lot of times in those kinds of areas, people aren't maybe eating the best that they should. Maybe no. health is not, uh, not the fattest part of the country in the Midwest. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, right, right. There's a lot of lot of obesity, a lot mm -hmm. of disease. Well, it's hibernation theory, and it's all just piles up on itself. You're right? stay, you're staying indoors, you know, five months out of the year. You're mm -hmm. not going out and doing things. Well, and that's the problem too is our, our winter. But the value good. also too in the area is placed on a lot of different things. Yeah. Right, like it's not. Of course, like everywhere you live, your looks are always, they're always a thing, right? But it's not like you have to have your shirt off nine months out of the year or whatever. Yeah. Right? Yep. You know, it's not, you're not at a pool party nine months out of the year. Yeah. So the value of what you can do and what you're able to do is different. I remember I lived in Louisville, Kentucky for a while. And I remember I went to go to a, uh, like a sports bar. I just wanted to get some like wings. I was just, uh just felt like going to get some buffalo wings and i went to pull in and i could barely even get my car into the parking lot i'm like what the fuck's going on here and it was car racing <laughs> it was like the indianapolis 500 was going on that day yeah and every bar every sports bar was absolutely insanely you packed know, fucking I was boring like, that is to watch i was like whoa i was like this is crazy and you know you don't see that out here i mean people love car racing all over the world but uh it just like i said the value is on some different things uh in the, in the middle of the country it's yeah. it, even even like the the car racing side of it. It's it's interesting. I'm I'm not into it at all. But even my business partner, they literally they own sponsor a and own race cars, fleet of race cars yeah. and circle tracks, dirt tracks, stuff like that. Yeah, and it's it's that's all the way up in you know South Bend. It's it's insane. Mm -hmm. It is, and it's just, it's this different culture. Right. Yeah. It's a, it, I feel like the Midwest is purely built on professional sports teams. Yeah. And it's like kind of like uh, it's very diehard in that aspect. Uh, 
it's are, are you a this fan or a that fan? Right. And like that that's the depiction of your entire personality. It's it's a political it's like the political standpoint. Right. And maybe even college, you got Notre Dame, right? Yep. Yeah, we had Notre well, Dame. Notre Dame's literally probably a mile and a half from our gym. Yeah. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So And then how how has uh have you guys been affected by that in your lives? Have you guys been affected by the weather? Have you guys been affected by depression and some of those things? Uh and me, like I, I handled things pretty well. Depression was never really a problem for me. For me, it was always more anxiety, dwelling on like the future and where I'm going to be mm. in five, ten years. So the weather, um, I was a fucking psycho as a kid. I was psych- I was barefoot all the fucking time. In the winter, I would bring a trash bag outside <laughs> on the fucking concrete when the sun was out and I was tan. Yeah. And I had tan in the, in the fucking sun. I was crazy. I don't think I, <clears throat> I, I guess I don't think, I don't overanalyze it, I guess. Right. I mean, I was born and raised there, so right. it, I, I still live... In the same area, and I've been, I've been able to travel everywhere in 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 my life, which has been nice. And I've got to see a lot of places, got to go to a lot of different places, experience a lot of different cultures. And to be honest with you, I'm always excited to go back home. So yeah, um, I think it's where I live. I'm not. <laughs> I, I think it's where I live, though. Being you know an hour and fifteen minutes from downtown Chicago, mm-hmm. I'm like twenty five minutes from Lake Michigan. Like where I'm at is a little different. There's things around that mm-hmm. allow me to kind of do different things. Well, also, maybe you have good perspective. You yeah. know, sometimes you got, <clears throat> you know, you can look at any area that you live in and be frustrated with it. You yeah. know? Indianapolis has a top golf now, so <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty and, much what it's about. And, and, and living in, uh, I've seen the growth of where I live, too, it just exponentially. And that's the same with Indianapolis too. Actually, Indianapolis and Columbus right now are two of the fastest growing cities in the U.S. Yeah, Columbus was when I lived in Columbus, it was crazy. Yeah, it's, it was it's crazy. Just getting crazier. The traffic. The, uh, yeah, there was traffic everywhere because the city wasn't really prepared to grow no. uh, with the amount of people that were coming yep. into it. it. Was it was wild? Have you guys ever ventured out to West Side Barbell? I've been uh, to Westside Barbell. I have not. Uh, I got invited twice. I have not been there. Yeah, it's a little. It's a little. It's a little yeah. scary. You know, it's a. It's a. It's definitely a thing to to go there. What was your experience there? I honestly, I when I go down to Columbus, um, Matt Wenning has always been kind of the the guy that lets me and my crew come in and and train and stuff. I I visited Westside, right. and it was more or less, hey, I got to go and want right. to check it out as a powerlifting, you know, fan and everything else, but. Even now when I, you're in the area, you go to Matt's gym. Oh yeah. Even yeah. this last time, I mean, I actually didn't even, we go to the Arnold, we've gone to the Arnold every year for the past 11 years. And uh, last year was my first time being at the Arnold. And this is the, I didn't even walk into the expo this time. <laughs> I trained, I trained at Ludus Magnus, uh, a couple times while I was down there, went to a couple other gyms, did a bunch of different things. And at, at that point I was, I was more excited to do that than to, to go walk around elbow to asshole with. Yeah, three hundred thousand people. I just stayed in the cage the whole time. I was in the cage. The it's whole insane time. amount of people there. Oh yeah, it's hard to get around. Did you see uh, Ben Pollock post the um, Arnold Classic de- uh, bingo board? No. Oh, dude, it was fucking nice. It was like nipple guy, like 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 Mark One frequency, like nipple guy, like fake tits, like mullet, like <laughs> well, stringer that, all day. And that's right. the thing. Like it's changed for me. Like, Eleven years ago, when we went to the Arnold, we we're like, oh, let's let's get as many free things as we can get. You know, like it was a, it was a race to see who could have the the most shit yeah most free stuff yeah yeah. the most free stuff and then as you evolve into this sport and you know you realize you don't need all those supplements you just need to take trend and that's (laughs) it i mean you you don't trend and steak yeah trend trend and steak steak. you don't i mean none of that stuff you're not into that stuff and actually to be honest with you i kudos to the arnold it's actually evolved quite a bit to where it's 
definitely focusing more on the sports. Yeah, strength sports are like in, in, in like the obstacle. Course oh, the sports. Arnold's huge there. Yeah, yeah. The obstacle course sports and like the. But the, I mean, adding like more stage stages, um, like you right. know, rogue adding a couple stages and stuff like that. The tandem deadlift event. Yeah, like yeah. all that kind of stuff is it, it's they're starting to space out more of the vendor stuff to like get rid of some of the you know. Most depressing day in my life was going to the Arnold Classic and being so hyped up over the years. I, I went there every year before I was ever a vendor. And I'd walk into that first room and the WPO finals would be going on. And uh, Steve Goggins squatted 1,100 pounds. 1,100 pounds, single ply. Yeah, first 1,100-pound squat in the history of powerlifting. Some just massive lifts there. I remember watching Chuck Vogapool lift there. That's my favorite powerlifter. Uh, Matt Krokletsky. Um, and and so a list of names goes on and on of, of these giants. Andy Bolton was lifting at the time. Yep. Gary Frank was dominant. <laughs> And I go to walk in and I'm like, okay, there's no mono lifts and there's no, like, there's a lot less seats. And then there's like these ropes hanging from the ceiling. Um, and it looks like there's kind of like these hurdles set up and there's a place that do like, there's people like jumping rope. And I'm like, what in the fuck is this? <laughs> and somebody's like, this is CrossFit. Oh. And I was like, what happened to the power they stopped paying people. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my, I was like, oh my god, and I was just like, man, this is a really sad day. This is the end of an era. Not that I, I could, I don't care cross it one way, one way or the other necessarily, but I was just like, man, that's the end of of, of the WPO. Did you of, see of their the back though? Uh, lifting, yeah, they're, they'll yeah. never be back the way back they the way they used to be. Yeah. yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. I, I, I would, I mean, it would be cool. It'd be cool to see more people get back into powerlifting gear and stuff. I think. Single my, ply is definitely growing. Yeah, Single my, ply is starting to grow. My personal opinion on it is I think that the bench shirt kind of ruined things because the bench shirt was that kind of curveball. It was that variable. Like if you didn't have that dialed in, if you couldn't figure it out, then you couldn't really compete. Yeah. You could get on the platform with everybody else, but you might lift 100, 200 pounds less than everybody. Whereas the squat suit was definitely assisting you by hundreds of pounds, just like the bench shirt does. But you had to have a lot of strength in order to be able to handle those squats. And the deadlift suit didn't really do much for you. Whereas the bench shirt, uh, there was guys that commonly benched, you know, under 400 pounds and they would be able to bench over 700 pounds. Yeah. You can see the ratio. I mean, same with the deadlift suit. I mean, the deadlift <laughs> suit gave you... Very, very little bit. And you see right. it in these guys that still do, you know. We just talked about this. Yeah, we just yeah, talked, we just about, talked this about this yesterday. But yeah, that's <clears throat> definitely, and it's weird because in raw powerlifting, we <laughs> talk about how, you know, a lot of these guys don't even really focus too much on. On the deadlift at all. No, worrying about their bench because it oh, doesn't yeah. really, from your first attempt to your third attempt, you're not adding a ton onto yeah, your total. Man. Where in equipped lifting, I mean, it can make or break you. Well, yeah. somebody in their career could very easily. Uh, go from a 500 pound squat to probably around a seven or 800 pound squat. Yeah. Um, but on the bench, how much it. ground are they really going to gain? Yeah, 30 pounds, 50 pounds? Yeah. Like might go from 315 to 365. Like they're not going to probably go from 315 to five plates. No. Yeah, I had a pec muscle belly tear on 365. Then I realized I'm probably not ever going to bench 600 pounds. <laughs> so yeah, the bench, the bench is a, is a tough one, but I think that that's a preventative thing, uh, into the geared powerlifting. And that would have to be the one thing that would, I don't even really know, you know, a, a slingshot certainly makes it a lot easier because it makes it easier to go full range of motion. Um, it's interesting that all the powerlifting gear is so stiff. Yeah. Denim uh, and poly. Uh, Inzer, you know, they make a, a stretchier material, but you still need like a lot of weight in order to get mm -hmm. the weight to go full range of motion. And it just makes it really challenging. I benched yeah. single ply one time and I could not touch 275 to my chest. 
Yeah. So I hear I hear a lot of people like, especially the like the younger crowd during like the quote unquote raw revolution. You know, you're a lot of people talking shit like, oh, it's fucking geared lifting. Like, <clears throat> put on a pair of briefs and try to squat. 100 pounds under your max and tell me what happens yeah yeah it's uh it's well it's just a whole different uh type of balance and everything that you have to have it's your it's handling. entirely different lift yeah. in my opinion yeah. i mean like the bench press like you're touching much lower you're tucking way harder and you're driving back way harder you yeah. know this... well the appreciation for it though is is i think kind of falling back or faltered because powerlifting is kind of a fad right now and the mm-hmm. fad is only a year or so old. And mm-hmm. so if you weren't a fan of powerlifting before this last 24 months or something like that, you didn't see it a lot. Uh, you're not seeing it a lot in meets, especially USPA meets. I honestly, I can't even tell you the last time I've been to at 20 meets this year. I mean, mm-hmm. and I don't think I've seen any, I don't think I've seen I've any seen equipped lifters. One single ply full power, two multiply full powers and like five or six, it just throws a huge monkey wrench into even the training process you know the training process takes a lot longer and uh like if one of you guys walked inside super training let's say that you guys trained here locally and you guys were raw lifters and you walked in and you saw us like all in these bench shirts helping each other in these bench shirts and stuff you might be like man that's cool they kind of do some of the same stuff that we do but i don't know if like you know i got work and i got other things to do i can't really be at the gym helping these other guys out because if they're going to help me, then I got to help them. I don't know if I can devote, you know, these three or four hour long training sessions to benching, you know? And I'm, I'm, I'm no grandfather of powerlifting by, by any means. I mean, I'm still pretty much, I'm a baby in the sport as well, even though I've been doing it quite a bit longer than, you know, even the athletes I program. But when I first was started competing, I mean, it was almost half and half. And when you're in the warm up room, I remember being very irritated, (laughs) very irritated. What? wait like waiting like yeah. it's like you know I, and, and they're it's a hell of a setup for one lift for it, one rep it, yeah. it is and and they're very very they're very precise in how they have to set everything you up you can and stuff. get you can literally get killed yeah. if you're not yeah, yeah i mean what's crazier to me than the diminishment of equipped powerlifting is um like how strong like oh like in raw powerlifting now like women's presence is. oh geez i remember like when i first started powerlifting my first powerlifting meet my first full power sanctioned powerlifting meet, I remember there was like a total, uh, it was 120 lifter meet. There was a total of like 15 women lifters. Yeah. And now you go to a meet and nine times out of 10, there's going to be more women than there are men. Right. It's, my, it's awesome. We, we talk about that all the time. My, my very first meet, there was one. There was one woman, APF meet. There was one woman and, um, you know, I, I had an athlete at, uh, at nationals in Vegas, USBA nationals, and that whole day was women. It was just one day of women lifters. At a national level competition. Yeah. It's awesome. It's very distracting. <laughs> <laughs> well, and some and, singlets well, are distracting. That and the like the perce- the perception of what a powerlifting woman looks like too. I mean, right. it's it's completely it's completely different and in powerlifting, we see all of, we see each other as strong. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. like we appreciate just being strong. Right. And I tell that to a lot of people that will walk into our gym too that are looking for some sort of body composition change. And it's like, we don't really focus on that. I mean, we just try to be strong here. We're being yeah. the, the strongest you possibly can be. Maybe the general public might might look at uh, Eddie Hall when he competed and they might say, oh, the guy's overweight. Yeah. But none of us would because we look up to him. We're like, that dude is strong as shit. That's I would all we care about. I would love to be Eddie Hall. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's an ass kicker. <clears throat> yeah. Like, that's all I see. I don't, I don't see that he's fat, you know? Well, definitely not now. He's well, fucking shredded now. Yeah, yeah, now. He's, he's fucking <laughs> 340 pound bodybuilder. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's it, what he said. He's still uh, pretty heavy, but he, yeah, he leaned out a lot. Yeah, man. he looks good. Shitload. Yeah. His love handles are gone, which you don't know how he did it. Me. Um, you know, I, I noticed early on, I recognized that the, the, the CrossFit thing was, was, uh, was changing a lot of what was going mm-hmm. on. And, um, I, we've had women in, the, in our gym before that, like they always train in, uh, like leggings. They always train with, or like sweats or something. They just, you're not going to ever see them in shorts. Well, when they started coming to super training, they started training for powerlifting and they started to get stronger. I think they got empowered because then they didn't care. Then they also realized like, we're all just like hanging out. Like we're yeah. not trying to, you know, maybe there's some single people and maybe there's some, some something going on, a little energy going on here and there. But for the most part, it's like, no, we're like, we're, everyone's goal here is try to get stronger. This isn't a nightclub. It's not, not a bunch of weird shit going on. And you know, lo and behold, a lot of these girls would start wearing like the CrossFit, you know, the, the shorts the CrossFit girls were wearing. Yeah. And that was really cool for me to see. Cause I'm like, that's. Cause you like butts. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love, yeah, I love mm-hmm. butts. Who doesn't? Yeah. But I, at the same time, I was like, that is awesome that that person, person feels that good about themselves to rock that. Like to me, that was a huge, that was a huge step. So one of the, I talk about this all the time. Like I'll get people to ask me all the time, like why I continue my gym makes me no money. It makes me absolutely Most no money. people's gyms don't make no, money. No, it, it, it's definitely a passion. Meanwhile, he's sitting back counting his money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, it makes me nothing. It, making it rain. <laughs> making it rain. <laughs> making it rain with bows and arrows. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, like, they asked me, why do you why do you do this? Like, why, why do you continue to do this? I mean, it is a passion project. I love the sport. And I tell people this, and I mean it. If no one else came, no, no one else walked through my doors, I would still be, there. Still be there. I would still be there training. But the one thing that I've observed over the years, especially with programming athletes as well, or people have reached out to me for help, I feel like strength athletes just have something a little loose. Um, we all, ha- I mean it, like, I mean, anxiety issues, social dis- disorders, uh, you growing know, up in the system, yeah, shit ha- like that. not viewing themselves in the best light. Yeah, and, big- uh, and I don't mean just a few, I- I'm talking most every person that's walked through that door, once you get to know them, you're, you realize that this is, this is where they feel comfortable. Do you know who uh, Callis Hans Power is? Lone's Green. He uh, he made this post like powerlifting. It was not for the popular kids. Oh yeah, you know, it wasn't. It was for the outcast kids, and like um, that's changing more and more now. It's becoming definitely more of an open open availability sport where just you're kind of the same people from all walks of life. But like right. that's I st- I still believe it though. I still every new athlete I I I become more vested in and, and learn about them, learn about their background and, and why they're here, why they chose. So it's them. almost like before you introduce somebody, you need to warn them first and say, Hey, he's a power lifter. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> just, so, just so you know, like, like warning somebody that they're bipolar exactly. or something like, Hey man, like just this so you know, man, girl, like, she's a power lifter. Like you want to be careful. Yeah. And, you know, and, and a lot of these people too, they, they didn't feel comfortable going to a commercial gym or they were strong and they weren't supposed to be. The women, yeah. a lot of times, they're like, I, I, you know, they don't feel comfortable being as strong as they they actually are, and it's something that we we celebrate, you know, right. and we build we build each other up. And I, I feel like every every powerlifting gym or strength training facility, like niche style facility I've been to, has the same feel. It has the exact same feel. Yeah. Well, with power, you can't get the same pressure anywhere else. Like nope. I don't, I i've tried to think about it before like uh you can get um you know a rush from like jumping out of a plane and like there's a lot of things you can do for like adrenaline um but powerlifting doesn't really cause that it doesn't feel like you're on like a roller coaster or anything like that um but the pressure it's like i don't really know where else you'd get that pressure 
the only thing I could think of is like if you were like a like a diver, like a scuba diver, and you went down real deep, and your head got like because that pressure that you get when you try to hit a big squat, and your form's jacked up, and you lean forward, and you feel like the weight's gonna you know roll over the back of your head, you know that pressure that you get, or a heavy deadlift. It's like where else in life can you find and overcome that pressure? that doesn't really exist in many spots. I mean, there would be, you'd, you'd be, um, you know, you'd be just, uh, you'd be hard to find 10 things that did that or five things that did that, you know? Yeah. I'm hard to find one right now. Yeah. I'm, try- I'm trying to make it a comparison. Like, I really can't. I could think of like, maybe like jujitsu, like, uh, because like if, if someone's, submission. someone's about to choke you out yeah. or, you know, some of those different things. And I've heard people talk about how deep and how crazy of a thing that is to have someone defeat you that way. Like, uh, it's just like, just demoralizing, but there's some sort of, uh, system. There's some sort of energy system with the person they, where they want to do it again. They want to improve. And even though they know that that might happen again, that might still be the end result because this guy's a black belt and you're a blue belt. Yeah. You still want like have this urge to want to figure it out. Like for some reason you're seeking out that pressure. I mean, it's, it's psychotic. You walk into a powerlifting gym and you're seeing people do abnormal things these aren't the weights that we're lifting in all levels are the normal public cannot comprehend they cannot comprehend an example of that is when you're at powerlifting meets and there's you know non-powerlifters like they're watching and you hear this question all the time what's that he's sniffing yeah what's that he's sniffing what is he sniffing why is he sniffing that before he goes I'm just talking about the pure aspect of what we're doing no yeah like just the ability in, in, in as humans to kind of break that threshold of what the rest of society just can't comprehend. Right. I mean, they're seeing us bleed from our noses or, you know what I mean? Pass out or shit your pants, shit your pants. <laughs> yeah. All these different things to hit a max effort lift. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's psychotic. That's psychotic. Not even max effort sometimes. Yeah. No, it's just like a set of five. Yeah. And then it's not really necessarily for anything. No, you want to be fucking you, strong. You, you're, I, I tell people this all the time. You're constantly in a battle to defeat your former self. That's, that's what you're yeah. doing. You're, you're, you're defeating your, I mean, I guess like at least with jujitsu, you can make the excuse of it's self-defense. Yeah. You know, I feel comfortable in any situation because if anybody came at me or my family, I feel I can protect them. Yeah. But with lifting, it's like kind of hard. Offense. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of hard. To, yeah. Maybe because you're stronger, maybe you can defend yourself yeah. a little bit better and stand up for yourself a little bit more. But, um, it's, it's, uh, it's deeper than that. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's more about like your confidence and how you feel just about yourself and, uh, not necessarily about being able to like, uh, have this superpower when you're out in the no- normal world. I agree. I meant more on the world. On, I meant when I said self-offense, I meant more like, um, just, just like destructive on the body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It really is. I mean, it's, uh, Oh, it is. I mean, I love hearing people who say, who are like, they talk about being fit and healthy and they want to get in a power of thing. I'm like, you hurt all the time. It's not really like, like <laughs> I can't move. Yeah. Like some days, like I can't get out of bed some days. Like right now I have a fucking, like my rib is all fucked up. I have some sort of like something's wrong with it. Right. Barely deadlift yesterday. It's like the torn, my adductor, I've torn my glute, I've torn my hamstring, I've torn muscle bellies in my pack. Like putting my daughter to sleep and I have to get up off the floor and it takes me five and a half minutes <laughs> to get up off the floor, but then I'm still rapping and squatting. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's just, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, yeah, you get addicted to the pain. You get addicted to, uh, I guess, um, there has to be some sort of sadism as a power lifter. Right. Yeah. I said, it's a, it's a screw loose in, in all of us. I mean it. It's in, honestly, it's the, it's, it feels like when you have a facility like this or, you know, like ours, it's a sanctuary for those people to go. 
Okay. It really is. I always like the challenge of it. You know, the challenge is to see how hard you can push yourself. And it, it never really mattered to me the level of strength that I'm at. I've never been uh, ultra competitive with the people that are lifting with me. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I still might talk trash to like the people I'm lifting with and they might talk trash to me, but I don't really, I don't really obsess over that. Like I'm just trying to be better than I was yesterday. And I also have, have the understanding of I've been doing this for a really long time. So, uh, every workout won't always be better. Like it just, that doesn't make any sense. You can't always like, I can't lift 225 one day and then 235 and two, like it doesn't, doesn't just, you can't just ramp up. Strength isn't linear. Yeah. You can't just ramp up forever, you know? And progression slows significantly the longer you do this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It it, it does. A lot of, a lot of people like see a lot of newer lifters. Like I've actually seen posts like this, like, you know, PR squat, 430 pounds, hashtag road to 700. (laughs) What? (laughs) Like you, you go and multiply like next month or something. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it, it's, it's a, it's a tough sport and you know, people, when they first come here, like we have a training system where we work out four days a week. And a lot of times people will say, Hey, can I train more? Can I come in on like other days? I'm like, once you get into it, you won't be asking, you won't be asking that question anymore. You know, it, it gets to be tough. I yeah, remember to be tough. I used to train, I used to, until about two years ago, I trained six days a week. So about a year ago, I trained five days a week, and now I'm like, eh, three's fine. Like, like th- four tops. Whoa. Ooh. Whoa. Getting a little warm in here. Boner patrol. Uh-huh. Boner patrol. Hey, now. So you are, uh, Garrett, you're one of 17 kids. How the hell does that work out? People have sex. Don't, don't, you, get, don't <laughs> you get mixed up in the, uh, in the bunch there? Uh, yeah. It's a pretty, it's a crazy story. So I have... Um, I have five older brothers and two older sisters and then seven younger sisters and two younger brothers. And so I'm going to do this because everybody asked me to do this at some point. I'll just list all the names really fast. So it's, um, and I'll give you their real names because we have a lot of boys with girls' names. So my <laughs> older brother is Jack. His name is Jackie. And then Philip, Savannah, Wendy, Michael, Mackenzie, who's a boy, Shelby, who's a boy. And then me, uh, Glenda, Grace, Stella, Emma. Kendall, who's a boy, Kennedy, who's his twin sister, Isabella, Amelia, and Gus. And so, um, and then actually there was, um, there's technically 18. There was a stillborn child in between me and my brother right above me. Mm-hmm. So, and me and my brother right above me, we have the biggest gap, which is uh, two years and nine months. My mom had her first, she had my oldest brother, Jack, the day before her 17th birthday. And so, um, and she had her last kid when she was, um, she had Gus when she was, 41. It's impressive that he can remember all that. I, I, remember, I know all their birthdays too. I remember watching Hard Knocks. You know the show Hard Knocks? Yeah. It was a few years ago when they, I think it was the Jets, and they asked Antonio Camardi. They're all the same name, right? <laughs> he was he was struggling, man, yeah. to, to, yeah. to name all of his children. Yeah, I, know. I, know, I know all their birthdays. I know all their middle names. I know all my siblings. Yeah, I think he had like six kids, but it was like three different women or something. Yeah. Crazy, right? yeah. And so, um, like, you know, my mom's 49 now. And so, you know, she'll be 50 in March. And um, she has 17 kids and going on 18 grandkids. And she had her first grandkid when she was like 34. She's still open to more. She's, you know, she's not done yet. You shut your whore mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want any more. She died on the last one. But yeah, so I'm like, I'm pretty close to the middle. I'm the eighth kid. So nine would be the technical middle. Um, How old is the oldest kid? uh, Jack is 31. 32. 
He's 32. My, my brother, um, my brother Mike was like only, I think I want to say like a year or two younger than uh, our uncle, which was my uh, dad's uh, brother. He was the last in the chain of like, uh, they uh, had nine kids, but mm-hmm. they had two stillborn children somewhere in the mix there yeah. too. Yeah, they're cranking out babies like every other year mm-hmm. for like 20 plus years. Jeez. See, my, my dad, he's one of um, like 11. And my mom is only one of three. Mm. And my my um my dad my dad grew up like he grew up like farm boy like very simple living. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom actually she grew up and they actually had, I mean they had money growing up. It was a very weird tra- It was very weird to find out that my grandparents were at one point very very wealthy. <laughs> and so you know because uh, my you know my dad only has a tenth grade education mm-hmm. and my mom has the, technically ninth grade. My dad uh, yeah dad has ninth grade education and mom has a high school GED. And so it was always working nonstop to, you know, food in the food in our mouths, pay rent. I can't tell you how often we were behind on rent. I mean, that was like a normal thing. And mm-hmm. there was, I can't tell you how many landlords my mom lied to about how many kids she had. You know, like, it's like, like sneaking dogs in. You yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. What was the living situation like? Just um, live like all the, on top of each other. The big. I mean, the biggest house we ever lived in was a. Probably a four-bedroom house, and that was only one time for one year. Uh, mm-hmm. Typically, we had two or three-bedroom houses. There was actually one point when we first moved to Ohio. Um, my dad got the the first and only place that he could rent in the, in this area of Ohio where he got this job, and um, there was my mom, my dad, and twelve of the kids in a upstairs one-bedroom apartment. And so we just literally had mattresses across the floor yeah. in the back, and my parents had a pull-out in the living room, and uh, there was a little like long cubby holes in the wall that like, right. some of us slept in like we didn't care most of the time it was all we always, well, it was just the way you grew up yeah right? we, we, i didn't realize how you. fucking weird it was right. until like i started to tell people some stuff like like yeah man like we lived in a motel once like for, like three weeks like shit like that but i'd imagine too though with that many children there's some that are older that are like moving on to um yeah being out of the house and like so not all are piled up in the same house yeah. all the time mm-hmm most a lot of my older siblings are high school dropouts. So I'm the eighth one. I was the third one to graduate high school, and so um, you know they were always out and working because they they didn't want to be in the fucking house anymore. There's fucking right. babies screaming <laughs> for literally fucking ten years in a row. <laughs> right. So you know nobody wants to be there. Right. And so um and then you know there's like we all kind of raised each other. You know which you which you see a lot in big families. You know every sibling raises every sibling, and so like um. I have so many of like my older brother's tendencies because those were the ones who I looked up to. I didn't want to see my fucking sisters ever growing up. Because <laughs> my older brothers who were like, we were always running the streets, being little hoodlums, like doing crazy shit. I mean, ding dong ditching was like the most fun thing we did growing up. <laughs> I mean, I still have fun doing that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What about eating? What was eating like? I mean, you food just, stamps. Yeah. Lots and lots of food stamps. I mean, I, um, like there. There was, but there were also points in times where, like, for some reason, my parents were too proud to get food stamps for some reason, mm. and so um, it was a lot of like, I like to call them wholesale meals, because it's like eight boxes of macaroni with two packages of hot dogs, in right. it. or you know, just um, chili, like a big fucking pot of chili. We didn't like. There's we had, like no other way to do it. Almost. There, there yeah, is no other yeah. way. And then like we always made enough to have leftovers for a couple of days. And so, um, I mean, there were points in times where we were so broke, we lived on bologna sandwiches for weeks at a mm. time and, and shit like that. Um, for the most part, they did a pretty good job keeping us fed. 
was the house like stressful with that many kids and like both very parents st- trying to work and very stressful, very busy in a, a constant lack of supervision and guidance. And so, you know, the guidance you have in a family like mine growing up is from your older brother who's been to jail four times and ha- <laughs> has, you know, neck tattoos and, you know, f- you know, we're not gr- the greatest people then. Right. And so, um, is that uh, maybe a byproduct of the area you grew up in a little Definitely, bit as well? Yeah. So we lived in a in a really ghetto area of South Bend at the time. Because um, you're kind of a byproduct of like what you see, what you're around, mm-hmm. and if, you yeah. know other people are dealing. Like that's your normal thing. Yeah. Like it's not even bad. It's just that's yeah. we the were way always, things are. We were always fighting, like right. always fighting other kids and each other for that matter. I mean, there was one time where like these kids tried to like, I was like in kindergarten and like these kids, like a couple grades older than me, like tried to jump me at the end of our block. And I just screamed on my brother's names and it wasn't five seconds before they were all at the end of the block, just beating the shit out of these kids <laughs> laughing. Cause that's fun fucking fighting people. Right. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Having that many, uh, <laughs> that many, uh, siblings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, was your mom trying to work too? Your dad was working and is your mom, trying my to work mom, too? like, or she had to be at home or no, I mean that's the thing is um like my mom pretty much worked um all, all my life. I mean she mm-hmm. pretty much and so did my dad, obviously. And um she maybe would take a couple weeks off after she had a kid, but she didn't take any time off before she had a kid. I right. mean she was she was she I mean, I think one time she started to like go into labor at work. <laughs> like it's it probably happened twice. Yeah. And so um you ever ask your parents like why did you have so many fucking kids? Like it's my mom tells a story that uh, when she was younger she like played with a Ouija board and it told her she was gonna have eighteen kids. <laughs> like she fucking knew that. Like my, my mom was a head case in that way, <laughs> and so it's like okay, but really, I, I just think they liked to fuck. I don't know. Like, <laughs> just classic fertile Myrtle. Yeah, fertile <laughs> dude. Fertile Myrtle was her nickname for like she, I mean, by by twenty by like by by thirty years old she had ten kids. Like by thirty years old my mom had ten kids. Like she was twenty eight when she had me. And so, you know, me and my my sister below me, my sister below that, my sister below that, we're all one year apart immediately. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I mean, they worked. Um, lots of, like I said earlier, a lack of supervision and guidance. Right. Yeah. How about your upbringing? I mean, I, I, w- I was one of three, but I was the oldest. So um, my, my situation was quite a bit different. But, um, I mean, for the most part, I was pretty much on my own for the yeah. the majority of my life. Um, you know, nowadays it's it's not uncommon to hear of broken families and stuff. But I essentially, you know, was adopted when I was about four years old, and um, it was kind of a classic case of I don't think there was really anybody wanted to have an older son. I had two right. younger sisters, and it was just kind of left behind and you know I was literally on my own pretty much from high school on mm-hmm. um and it, it's it's weird because the 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 guy that raised me I think was was so strong-nosed and did uh the way that he did it was definitely unconventional and uh put it in my head that the reason I have kids now is probably cuz that's that's what I was made to do was be a dad and mm-hmm. kind of do all the things that I never got to do you know and um so Honestly, it was just it, it helped me become to where I'm at now and and be able to figure out how to survive on my own. Um, so the person that adopted you is maybe a little bit more than just a fa- father figure, maybe almost more like a mentor too, in a way. Not really. I mean, I don't, I don't know how it's unconventional means unconventional. <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah. So 
it just it was one of those things where I I I knew I had to pave my own path pretty pretty quickly. Um, Same. And, yeah, and it, honestly, that's what attracted me to Garrett in the first place. But I did. I mean, at, by the time I just graduated high school, you know, I tried to go to school on my own um, and just couldn't afford it. And I had my first mortgage by the time I was nineteen years old. I mean, I was. This is why the housing market's fucked, by the way. Thanks, America. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it, it literally like finding a way to survive on my own with with no help, and uh, and uh, I mean, I did, and even to this day, like I always knew I worked really hard to work up and get a job that required you know a master's degree, and I I don't have a college education or anything like that, and eventually figured out that there was no way that I could work for anybody anymore, and so you know started to do my own thing and got to the point where I was able to open up East Race Muscle, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, it, honestly, if it could be my everyday, love child. Yeah, if it could be my everyday, that would be my everyday. Yep. That would be my, my way of kind of making, making, uh, my living and stuff. But yeah, it, it's tough because it, it's one of those things where I don't, I don't want it to be sound like it was like, if if I didn't have the upbringing I did, there's I wouldn't be in the situation I'm in now. No, so uh, people with, who like grew up like like anything any any similar facet that we did, there's typically like one of two paths: is the path of common or constant improvement, or the path of constant destruction. Yeah, in terms of like self, and so like um like some of my siblings like um so um including myself um. One, two, three, four, five. At least, I'm actually all five of my older brothers and myself, we all had like substance issues. Mm. And so at at very, very young ages. And um, for a long time, all of us were on a very self destructive path. It it was, it's weird how moving farther along in life, how like you just kind of, it just kind of clicks one day. Like, like, I'm a shitty fucking person. Like, I need to stop being a shitty person. We talked about this last night too. I feel like, I feel like, uh, going down these different paths and realizing all these different things and being self-aware is sometimes worse than being naive and pretending you don't know that you have an issue or mm-hmm. pretending you don't have a problem. Uh, I think that's, I think it's sometimes worse being self-aware and uh, knowing that you're a piece of shit or <laughs> that you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. You're going down the wrong path. Yeah. That's probably the only way to turn anything around though. Right. It's yeah. To... Yeah. No, I remember having the thinking habit, like, um, you know, I was on heroin by 14, 14 years old and i remember having a thinking habit like uh yeah i mean i'll probably get out of this at some point like now i had to like almost die a couple times but i mean it, i was right but like in a right. very roundabout way yeah i i think uh you know it's important for people it's important for people to work on developing themselves and the only way to really do that is to uh take like inventory yeah there's no other way to do it. Like you have to spend time with yourself. You have to, you have to ask yourself questions. You have to ask like, what, what, what do you want to do? Um, when you're a kid, you know, when you're 14 and 16 and, and those ages in school, they ask you that question. And it's like super annoying. And like, well, how do I fuck am I supposed to know? I want to like, be a plastic surgeon. Yeah. Cause I want to see boobs. And at the, t- at the time, like you don't, you know, you don't care about school and you're not doing your homework and mm-hmm. like, you just, you don't want to be, you're like, I don't, like, everybody wants you to go to college. They have this uh, thing built into their head of what you should be doing. And so because of that, because you never actually really sat around and thought about it for yourself, you don't have any idea of what you want to do. 
But a lot of people go around through their whole life. They just keep working and they just keep lifting and they keep doing a couple things that they're doing every day. And they don't ever really sit down and like try to reflect on like, what, what is it? I, what would I like to do? Like three years from right now, what would I like to be doing? Like if you're pissed off at your current situation, just ask yourself that question. Like maybe, maybe you just, maybe it's literally the fact that you don't want to do what you're currently doing anymore. And that's a good place to start. Yeah. Like this life that I'm living right now of doing drugs and lying to my friends and lying to my wife or girlfriend or whatever, whatever the situation is, if that's the situation you're in, then ask yourself that question, you know, and then start to put a plan in place. How do I, do I need to get help? Do I need to tell my buddy? Do I need to tell a friend? Do I need to, I need to go to a psychiatrist? Like what, what do I need to get out of this weird slump? And then how am I going to, you know, progress? But it's not, it's not a, um. At that point, it's not like a dream. It's not like, you know, I, I want to be a millionaire and live in Hawaii. You know, it's, it's got to be something more realistic. Like, I just want to stop doing this. That realization is important for people. It, a lot of times, too, it's, it's all self-destruction. I mean, it's, it's not being aware that you have to, you have to love yourself. I, I think, I mean, it, at least in my experience, I mean, when I was going through, from the age of, you know, like I said, being out on my own, 18 years old to 30 was probably the easiest part of my life. I didn't think at 30 years old was going to be the, t- the toughest part of my life. And, uh, you know, trying to figure out why now everything is changing. Like, why, why am I thinking this way or why is it and getting tougher and tougher and tougher and, and thinking that, you know, I've been doing this fine this whole time, but now it's now it's not fine anymore. Why, why is that? And, you know, it's taken a few years even to kind of take a step back and realize. A few that, years in a punk 19-year-old telling him to yeah, blow that's, the fuck up. I, I tell you, like, people always ask me all the time. They're like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand your and Garrett's relationship, why you guys are so close. When Garrett, when Garrett you know, he t- told you about his, you know, his, his family and, and the way he was brought up. I just met him, and I told you I kind of took him under my wing, and he was – an asshole when I first brutal. met him, he was, was a, an asshole and knocked him around quite a bit. And then I remember the day he told me he had to move back to Ohio, like his family's mm-hmm. moving him back to Ohio. And he did, he moved back to Ohio. And I honestly, I was just like, I, I got to get him back here. Like that this was is, a fucked story. That was fucked too. I had to move back to Ohio. Cause, and, and I was like, I, I can't, <laughs> it, it was, I felt like I knew, I knew where this was headed um, at that time. And so I called him. I was like, if I give you a job, will you come back? And he's like, are you serious? And you were working at GNC or something. Yeah, I just uh, just started GNC, and I was only there for like two weeks, and I already got promoted to yeah. do like like territorial management essentially with it. And I was only eighteen. And he and I was like, I, I want you to move. I want you to move back to be closer to me. Yeah. And he was like, if you're serious, and I did. I hired him. Yep. He came back, and to be honest with you, the script flipped at that point. Like yeah. we <laughs> kind of started looking after each other. And my life had hit an all-time low. I mean, when I say all-time low, is is about as rock bottom as it possibly could yeah. be for me. And I was sitting on my front porch thinking that there really wasn't much else I could do to fuck up the rest of my life. And he, I mean, it was, it was a, a matter of an hour conversation of him essentially telling me he was going to eliminate himself from my life. <laughs> and he's like, if you don't, if you don't stop. And, uh. At the time, like Mike was being self-destructive in every aspect of his life, his home life, his work life, training, everything. Yeah. He had very self-destructive habits. What were you doing? 
just it, it just everything was making all the bad wrong decisions and I had had two shoulder surgeries and from lifting and so like I had a very inept doctor that was willing to give me pain <laughs> pills anytime I wanted whether I needed them or not right. and got to the point where that was what I was using to cover up everything else that was going all on all the time it was a mask and then that made my decision making abilities go down even more further south yeah. And it, it literally affected his home life. It affected his family. Yeah. And it literally, I, I remember, and, I, and I've only told this story to a few people. So this is pretty, uh, this is pretty emotional for me. But I remember, I, I looked this up too. I remember one night taking more um, pain pills than what killed Heath Ledger. Tramadol. No, that wasn't, it was, yeah, it was, it was like a mixture of yeah. tramadol and oxycodone. Yeah. And uh, I remember kind of fading in and out of sleep and thinking to myself, like I was in the back of my head, I was like, to be honest with you, I'm like, I'm really okay if I don't wake up from this. Like, not so much. I've never had like suicidal thoughts or like wanted to kill myself. But at that point, I was like, if I don't wake up from this. No big deal. No big deal. And uh, I remember like getting up and running to the bathroom and puking everything up and stuff like that. It was literally the next day that Garrett stopped by my house. And at this point, like, I'd given Garrett a car. Like, I had gave him a car. He I, sold me a car super, super cheap. That's basically how it worked. I was paying, I was paying for it weekly. Well, you, you stopped yeah. paying for it a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh, you know, I'm quitting. I'm going to quit the job you gave me. I'm giving you a car back. I, I, I don't, you know, I'm going to be out of your life and stuff, this and that, if, if this doesn't stop now. And it doesn't, like, it, I'm, I'm not trying to make it pat my own back or anything. Literally, that second, it everything stopped oh yeah at the time mike was uh he was lying to everybody including me and every time he's ever tried to lie to me i'm like hey motherfucker like i know all your tells like yeah. i know you're lying to me and so and he um, was 19 at the time by the way 19 years old it, and it was so it was like uh every time he the situation that was happening at the time was like every time he tried to lie to me i was like come on and like he kind of dropped his head and then, so by the end of it that's when i was and like, you're talking to somebody too that was a former addict yeah who right. knows yeah all of you know all the tells right. and and so um it was just like i i just laid it out on the table I, i've always been i've always felt it's better to be um truthful and forward and hated than to lie and be loved and so i was like listen this is what you're fucking doing and you know this is how it's affecting me it's how it's affecting the gym it's how it's affecting work it's how it's affecting your wife it's how it's affecting your kids and i was like and everybody hates you right now yeah. and everybody fucking hates you i was like you're not being honest with me you're not being honest with you and it was a, it was a, it was like a, it was everybody hates you because they, they love you. Like, it's because yeah, the people, yeah. and at the time, I, I mean, I still own the gym. Like, I had brought all these people together. Right. And it, it's, it stopped then. And I, and like those people, I, I, I told them, like, I told, told them. He actually, I just had this conversation with a, um, a friend of ours, John, um, that one day, like, like Mike essentially, went to every person in his life who was close in any capacity and just told him like, this is what he was doing. Yeah. And this is the person I was, and this is who I'm trying to be. And like to, to make that step, to make that step as a, as a grown ass man is not easy to do. You get stuck in your ways, you get stuck in your mentality. And so it was, it was fucking cool. Well, I think uh, I, I would imagine that almost everybody's probably pretty receptive to it. I mean, I'm sure maybe a couple of people like, Still had some animosity, still frustrated with the way that you were acting, but for the most part, the probably just gave you a hug, right? Well, yeah. that's the thing. Like the people, the people that didn't understand it are no longer around. They mm -hmm. really, they really aren't. Like I mean, truly are not gone. Yeah, gone, gone. And 
the people that that did that did care about mm-hmm. me they're even closer than they were before you know yeah. it is it's one of those things but it it's weird to say these things and people say it, it sounds kind of cliche but it needed to happen it did i no, mean did. you 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 learn from some of the worst things that could possibly happen to you you know and uh it's still one of those things this is it's been over it's been over 2 years or almost 2 years exactly yeah and it's one of those things where it's still eye-opening, and it's still evolving relationships with me and the the, clo- the people closest to me yeah. in, in my life. But I think most of us are in constant search of resistance. Yeah. And the resistance that you found was in painkillers. You yeah. Know? Some of us, the resistance is in the gym, and you had that as well. But, like, for some reason, like, we're, lo- we're looking for the opportunity to fuck up our own life. Like, well, we're, we're waiting that's for a, it. It's a, it's a human condition, man. Yeah. So it's like every time you get into a good situation, how can I fuck with myself a little bit? Well, yeah. it, it, and mine was just, mine was just not, not believing or really loving myself at all. So, like, finding all these different ways that made me feel good about myself that were not real. They just weren't real. And, and, and masking What was it. that like working, making money, that kind of just stuff? Just everything. There was just numerous amounts of stuff it's that. A, it's, a, it's a hard thing to specify. Yeah. Really. And, it's, um... and really realizing what type of person I am and hoping that the people that are closest to me are going to accept that and learning to, honestly, is learning to love myself is really what it is. Because so gay. It is. But like, think about, I, I do, I do a lot for a lot of people. I mean. He does. And that's, that's actually a very truthful thing. And sometimes it gets lost in like wondering. Sometimes I'm like, well, I mean, does really anybody, does really anybody care about me? Does anybody like, do anything for me? No, I don't even care. I don't even, I don't want anything in return. But sometimes it just seems like it's a, it's just a lost thing. Like I'm just like, you think at the time that you were trying to like get something, like, like you kind of had these things were like unfulfilling, but like, were you trying to like, and you said you, you know, you didn't feel good about yourself, but like, you know, I, I always think that, um, what I see from a lot of people is they're, they're, uh, so worried about like receiving, like they're so worried about like getting shit. Um, and so they think if I, if I work towards this, then I'll get that, but they're not really like, like giving themselves, which is what you should really focus on. I don't think so at all. Actually. I think it's, I think it's cause I still am that way. I still, I will, I will give absolutely anything I possibly can to every everyone even if people I, it's not even that close to me and i'm used to being taken advantage of i mean at this point especially yeah. in my position um he's that kid that always had the pizza rolls at his house i i <laughs> I, I will too like it'll always it'll always be that way and i i believe that east race muscle that's my beacon of being able to do that i mean i i have a lot of athletes that come in they either can't afford the gym or they don't have a place to go it hey, cuts or, fucking people deals all the time and he wonders why his gym doesn't make money or they <laughs> or they've wronged me in the past and i have it does not mean anything to me it really doesn't it is finding out what is truly like maybe the first 30 years of my life i wasn't being real with myself and what i really was or what i needed to to be happy um and you know, in the past four years, I'm figuring those things out, and it's it's not it's not it's not easy. You know, it's right. hard. Um, but I feel like I have a solid grasp of like the things that make me feel free and things that keep me from, you know, going back down that path. So, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's I mean, I'm not saying this because we're sitting here behind this table, but it's definitely powerlifting. It's definitely the gym. I mean, I found so many athletes that can relate to me across the country that ask me just to. I don't even 
know anything about their lifting abilities or how they lift, and they ask me just to handle them at meets. You know, like yeah. it's just just to be there with them. Mike was always like, um, in a similar way to you, like um, like the motivator. Like he was always been the motivator. He's always been the guy standing right there. Like, in your fucking ear to me, saying, like, the corny shit that everybody talks about, but, like, actually, like, putting it into your life. Like, it's, right. it's a very cool thing. Well, yeah. it means something more to you when it's coming from someone who's substantial. Exactly. And I have, a, I have a legacy to leave. I have two kids that mean the world to me, too. And, you know, I'll look at them every day. Shout still. out to Cam and Mia. Yeah, shout out to Cam and Mia. And uh, I, I look at them still every day seriously every day and i'm like you know what would have happened if i would have continued down or if i'm not here you know like what yeah. would have happened and like what kind of legacy do i want to leave for them and i love seeing them at meets i love seeing them at the gym they're at the gym a lot they're at our gym all the time and they every, all our athletes love them they're not scared of weights no <laughs> they're not scared of weights and so it's it's one of those things where um you know it's like the Peter Pan theory, I guess, like your happy thoughts and right. and how those drive you and make your life kind of continue to go on. And I don't think I if I would have not found powerlifting, I'm not a good powerlifter by any means. I'm not. I'm not good. At, I'm not good at all. And if I had not found this sport, though, I, I think things would be a lot worse. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I don't think you have to be good at it to get out of it. What you know what you're looking for because it's again it's the resistance you know yeah. it's the external resistance and it uh plays out in so many different aspects you know in our in our lives what do you think the biggest difference was from like uh you know obviously him coming to you and saying hey this is a problem and he going around and telling people but like how did you you know how'd you really change because it's uh it's one thing to be like fired up and you've got this rocky montage going of you like training and <laughs> shaping up and everything right but it's another thing to like do it day in and day out minute it, by minute i think you know? for him it's been like self-talk yeah yeah I, it's you know i Some i've always call it tourette syndrome too. yeah yeah tourette's <laughs> syndrome. but i i said it earlier in the conversation being Shit. being self-aware is a son of a bitch and i I know, I think Garrett said this at one, at one point too, and he said he was, you know, he's doing heroin or whatever. I knew that I could, I could turn it off if I wanted to. I really, I really did. And drive. yeah, it, it, and it's just, there was, there was nothing that I felt like I was doing to, to prevent that. And now, like I said, it's, it, it sounds stupid. And I, and I tried to go see somebody and I always feel like I'm smarter than the person that's sitting on the couch across from me. And I just think to myself, like the happy thoughts, like mm -hmm. th these are the things that drive me. Why in the world would I, and I, it's not just my kids. It's, it's this guy here. It's the, it's, you know, the, the Brandons and the Evans and the, and the yeah. beefs and the, e even these, these guys, Adrian and Dustin and TD, like these yeah. guys that you, you wanted nothing to do with me and now like want me in their lives to help them and regularly like, regularly like, as, it, not just in terms of powerlifting like just and and i need i i i need to continue to soak those things in because it, it makes me feel like there's something worthwhile to be around for so is it hard to uh like just be idle like is it hard for you to oh no <laughs> <laughs> you're okay with because like it sounds like you you you, you know it sounds like you want to give a lot of yourself so is it hard for you just to kind of like balance was a big problem for me during that time too and it's something that i and, and, and i've i've upset people too because i don't give them that time anymore that i was taking away from my family right. and even this trip uh you know we were supposed to 
like I was supposed to go to record breakers, you know, and <laughs> and I was like, I'm not missing my son's last football game. I'm not like I fly out early tomorrow morning, and I was supposed <laughs> like, to stay. By the way, his son is four. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he's five. But yeah, like oh, I, and he'll never remember that. But I'm right. t- I'm telling you, I haven't missed one of his football games. I've never missed a baseball game. I'll, I never will. Same with my daughter. Whatever she decides to do, she's a pain in the ass and kind of marches <laughs> to the beat of her own drum. So I don't know what she'll ever do. But I that was I changed m- this whole weekend so that I could be back for his flag football game. Right. I wasn't gonna miss it. Is it's is it is what it is, you know. And even in even leaving here. Was, I, I FaceTimed him last night in the gym so I could show him the gym and stuff like that because he knows who you are too. And uh, he was like, he thought it was the coolest thing ever, but the first thing he said was, he goes, did you did you talk to the pilot and tell him to go faster so that you could get home quicker? <laughs> That's and, I was, great. and I was like, that, I mean, that that tells me, you know, this, this is my priority, you right. know, at the end of the day. And the people, going back to when everything was happening, the people that know me and care about me the most, they, they understand that, you know, because I get so many people that'll be like, hey, can you do this for me? Can you do this for me? I need you here. I need you here. No, it's not going to happen. I got, you know, I, I got to have that time. I got to have that time with the people that are my happy thoughts. Well, and when you, uh, <clears throat> you know, when it's, when those requests are met with resistance for a period of time, people will stop, yep. you know, they'll stop asking. Like I, you know, I used to get a crazy amount of like emails and stuff and it's just it doesn't happen you know just people just know like i'm not going if i am doing a seminar or something it's just because i'm like on my way to somewhere else yeah you know i'm not gonna get uh, go to some speaking engagement or whatever you know so and i'll still those sacrifices are still being made there's days that i don't get any of my training in and when i'm at when i'm at the gym and people will say stuff about they'll be like why don't you just tell everybody you know, to go eat shit. Yeah, and it's like you know what? I have to wrap five and athletes. That, and today. that's where I, I followed that too. So the gym I train at now, it's basically a commercial gym with a small area in the back. And so like now that like I, I have my own little crew at this gym, kind of building the same thing that we built at East Race Muscle. I told you that that one day too. Yeah. I texted you that yeah, that one and day. So it's like I go in there sometimes to bench, and I'm there for four hours lifting people <laughs> off. Watching their deadlifts, wrapping their knees, spotting them on squats. They're constantly asking stuff, and it's just a cool thing. And it like, still it still makes you realize too where you like where you are in everybody else's eyes because I'll 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 say like my training's not that important because like I said I'm not a good powerlifter and they're like well yeah your training is important and to be honest with you Dustin said this to me the other day he's like it drives me to watch you train I and mean, you're talking about a top 15, 148 pounder in top the, ten now I think yeah in the world and he's like. It, it pushes me to see you training with all of us. I'm like, why? Right. You know what I mean? Now, your training is a lot more important than you think it is. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's actually like uh, probably behind uh, you handling a couple major things in your life. It's probably like, it's probably top five. Like it's definitely up there. And it definitely comes before wrapping somebody else's knees. And uh, a huge reason why is because it, it, it's a it's a representation of, of you as a person and it's important for those people to always see that no matter what is going on, no matter how much shit is flying around and how many people you have to help, that you're still there getting the job done. Yeah. You know, I think it, it's important uh, for the lifters and the people that have come here to see me still lifting. Like maybe I lift in off hours and I, you know, might not always lift with the team or lift with the crew, but they, 
they still know, like on, on their best day, on their hardest day, when they've pushed the absolute max to what they could do, that I'm still right there with them, no matter how old I am or how long I've been doing this for. Yeah. I might not be lifting the same weights I used to lift, but the effort is still there. Oh, yeah. I'm still pushing as hard as I fucking can, you know? Yeah, that fire doesn't go away. It doesn't. And whenever I hit a big lift in here, a lot of times the other guys hit huge PRs too. They get fired up. They're like, shit, man, that was fun watching you do that. Or I got in briefs a few weeks ago and everybody got all fired up. Or I hit a pretty good bench and then Marcus ended up doing a 500-pound bench for a double that same day. And, you know, he got all all nutty and all fired up. And Me so, too. Yeah. <laughs> Filipino thunder. Yeah. And it's still like in the, the best part for me too, and I mean this when I say this, at one point I was the strongest guy in our gym the strongest mm -hmm. person you know that we're trained with now i'm like the 15th you know whatever <laughs> that is important to me i remember i remember being the weakest guy yeah when we started and, and now i'm the, I have the highest total out of anybody well that's gym. why i said to my point this last the this last meet that garrett did um to be honest with you one of the one of the better moments for me is watching him and having a guy come up to him and be like hey man i'm so and so <laughs> and like shook his hand and was like I'm such a big fan. It was a guy lifting in the meet and the same meet as Garrett and shook his hand and told him it was great to meet him. You know, it's like, he was like one of his heroes, this and that. And I was, I heard the whole thing and Garrett like turned around and he had his like weird shit eating, awkward, <laughs> like embarrassed grin on his face. And I was like, man, you, you have no idea what that means to me. Like right. and he goes, it's just, it's just so weird. It is so, weird. It is weird. Cause you know, I did the same meet two years in a row. And so like the first year I did that meet, there was like, 10 people that came up to me who knew me, like, via Instagram. And, like, one kid actually even, this is the fucking, probably most pissed off I've ever been in my life. I just missed my second squat on depth. And so I'm sitting there, and I wrap my own knees at the time. I'm getting ready to wrap my knees for my third squat. I got my headphones in. I'm ready to go. I'm, like, four out. This kid fucking walks up to me, pulls out my headphone, and goes, hey, man, I see your Instagram stories. I'm like, hey, motherfucker. <laughs> like, get away from me. Like, I'm, I, I, I'm just about to squat. Like, I'll talk to you later. But, um, and then comparing, like, that, that meet two years ago to the meet I just did, it's like, like I, I could walk and like hear people like whispering as I walked by. Like it was really weird. And people like who were scared to come up to me and people who were at the meet messaging me on Instagram, <laughs> but like would not come up to me and talk to me. Like this is so weird. It's yeah, not used DM to DM you while you're right there. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> I'm right. I'm standing right here. <laughs> it's like, it's the funniest thing to hear. Like, yeah, man, I follow you on Instagram. People listing off like lifts that I did like months ago that I don't even remember. Mm -hmm. Like I just loved it for some reason, and it's really it's 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 fucking awesome, but it's weird. You guys get a chance to train together still? Yeah, yeah, we still do. Yeah. We still we'll we'll get chances to train to, together. He's like I said, he works for me, so like we have a location down in Indianapolis. So we uh, it's quite a few months ago we shipped him down there. Quite a few months. It's been a year yeah. and five months. Yeah. And we asked, you know, I asked him, you know, if, if you would go down there, kind of run our indie location and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, we'll do that. You know, it ended, seven up, be, months. It'd been, it ended up being a great situation because he met Kaylee. Um, and Kaylee. it's interesting to see, like, I watch him evolve. Like, there's been just a few people that have stuck with me this whole time since the very, very beginning. But I texted him just like we were talking about. I texted him. It was a couple weeks ago. I was like, I'll be honest with you, man. It's like, it's, it's, it's emotional for me to watch, like, these people like you, when you started going to the gym that you go to, it was just you two. And now you have a group of people that lift the same time you do to be there when you are, that you're handling. Yeah, the majority of the time, yeah. 
that that you're programming or that you know want to be there to lift the same time you do, mm. and is very reflective of how I got started. What's in cool in that though is when kids hit me up on Instagram and they're like, "Hey man, are you going to be training on Thursday?" <laughs> and it's like, uh, "Like probably." He's like, "Okay, cool. I'm going to drive down um, four hours to come deadlift with you." I'm like, "What? Like, are you coming to town for something?" <laughs> Like no nah, man, I just I I've heard that like you'll like kind of help anybody, and so I'll just I'll just I'm just gonna come and lift with you. Okay, and that's you know happened that? to mo- like one time a whole group of kids came from Chicago. It's like a four hour drive. Like five or six kids all came from Chicago. They were like nineteen to twenty three. Like some of them were older than me, mm. and so it it was it, it's been humbling yeah. like, to just see how What's, many- uh, something that has kept you on point from the time that you uh you know overcame some of these uh mess ups that you had in your life with with drugs and some run-ins you had so like the only constant like non-stop constant motivator i've had my entire life is thinking about my future kids and knowing that i had to create something that would be like in terms of self like create something that would be able to support my kids and not just support them like be at every football game you know be at every basketball game be at every dance recital and so, like, that was always... So you're not stuck at work all the time. Exactly. Yeah. And so, like, that was always, like, that's that's really, like, the, the, the biggest, what the driving force has been in my life. Because, like, if I'm being honest, like, my family has never been a motivator for me. You know, no nobody in my family has really done anything super... Like, I have one brother who um, um, was in, like, the Korongal Valley in Afghanistan. He was in, uh, he's in the Army. He's a teacher now. And, like... Like, he's probably the only one who's done anything, like, cool like that. Mm-hmm. Like, like I have one brother who, like, raced semi-pro, uh, like, bikes, like, pretty much. And so, like, like motorcycles. And, like, no one's ever done anything. So, it, nobody in my family really is, is, a, is a motivator for me in life. You see a lot of, like, on the deeper issues, a lot of comparisons and where, you know, like, where we are. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's, that's always been, like, my, my connection to Garrett and why I constantly keep him around and make sure that we're keeping each other you know that was one that was like one thing that kind of like kept me on like got me out of that and like kept me on track and all that and so now it's like i have two dogs who are they're both malamutes one's gus he's three he's 120 pounds the other one's plo he is um six months old and he's like over 60 pounds and so like now i'm like always thinking about my dogs and my fiance and him that's pretty much it it's like kind of all i do really do anything for is just the people the people of my dogs <laughs> the two people of my dogs and in this sport too the sport is still very much a baby if it, it, oh, it, yeah. it, it is i mean there's there's no money in it you know there's no it, there, it money's coming I, but hold it's on it's coming so when you when you look at some of these personalities a lot a lot of times they're when you meet them they're not who they're not what their Instagram is or they're not mm-hmm. what their social media is. Mm-hmm. And there are a few, there are very few people that like you could look at and you're like, this person is good for the sport because they have all of these things there. I mean, there's some guys out there that have some monster totals that have 900 followers on Instagram. I mean, I'm, you're talking like, you know, like the, the strength is not correlative to Instagram followers. Yeah. Cause, <laughs> cause they have the personality of a potato. You know what I mean? Right. Fucking wet blanket. And Garrett is one of those guys that has, never changed like his his brash attitude motivation yelling and being excited and just being friends with everybody that's never changed and so i think that's what attracts people to him that's why people want him at their meets that's you know and that plus being on the other end of the bell curve and totaling you know almost 1900 pounds at 21 years old you know at barely 200 pounds that's a that's a total package they're very 
few of those people. I, I always talk about this because people have different opinions about him, but Larry Wheels is that guy. Larry Wheels is a decent-looking dude. He's kind of fun to be around, and he's doing things that nobody else is doing. He's and always he's always pretty, like, honest. Yeah, yeah. Forward. And that's, I mean, those those are the people that are going to really springboard this this sport. And I really believe that Garrett is one of those people. I, I really do. I mean, there are always going to be people that have higher totals. You know, I, I Not for long. But they, like I said, they can't talk to people they can't they if somebody asks him something they're like oh, you know like it's just they they, they have no there way there are of... some like and there are, it's funny like i started going to bigger meets like i did the u.s open last year and so you know and then i went to the tribute meet and um going to these bigger meets you meet some people who it's like they're instagram famous or whatever and it's like you are a wet paper bag <laughs> over a pile of dog shit like you're not a fun person to talk to like you're kind of a dick um, and so like, I always, social media baffles me. I mean, it baffles me how many people are like purely depend, like they're dependent on their, their like stop, like their idols, like social media presence and who they are on social media. And it's like, when you meet a lot of people in person or even beyond that, like find out who they really are, like you're going to be disappointed like, just because somebody's strong doesn't mean they're not a shit person. Right. Well, that's where people have to decipher, like, what they like somebody for. Yeah. Um, if you like somebody because they lift heavy weights, then there's a high, there's a possibility that when you meet them, maybe you don't like them. Yeah. yeah. But that's fine. Doesn't mean you still can't still like that they lift heavy. Yeah. You know, uh, you might like that Bradley Martin can, like, jump over a car or something, but, but, but maybe you're not, like, best friends with them or whatever, right? I mean, there's these different people that you meet that, uh you know you you like them for a totally separate reason you don't like them because they're because instagram never gives you a real snapshot of who anybody really is never <laughs> um it, it you know people are kind of showing you their highlights and 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 us you know in the fitness community we're just showing you lifts so you have really no insight into now it make more sense to be disappointed with a youtuber yeah um <laughs> yeah. because a youtuber we're seeing them interacting. Yeah, you see them interact a lot, you yeah. know, and especially if it's somebody that enters interacting live and they share a lot of their life with you, and then you meet them and you find out it's all like fake or something. You'd be like, "What the hell?" Like, wasn't what? expecting that. But but for the most part, with Instagram, it's like, you know, people might be, uh, you know, kind of, I don't know, misleading you, yeah. you know. But at the same time, I think. You know, who isn't adjusting their photo? Who isn't like trying to get the best selfie they can? Who isn't trying to, you know, people are just trying to get the best representation of themselves out there as much as they can. My yeah. my social media for me, like in my brain, like I post the occasional like picture of me and my fiance. I'm not a selfie person or like a, or a here's my body person. Um, it's kind of always just been like a training log. Like this is what I did today. Like, this was my top set. This right. was this. This was that. But I will say this. Even the fact that you think anybody cares is arrogant. Yeah. You know, like, social media has, there's there's no possible way to be on social media without being, like, uh, without without having, like, an arrogant side. Like, you're literally trying to get people to push a like button. Yeah. That's, right. That's right, arrogance. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, it really is. There's no, there's no way of, like, sugarcoating yep. it, you know? So, it, it's it's still, no matter how you slice it, like, hey, let's check out what I did. You know what I mean? Even if it's not the best representation of the heaviest lift that you did. Exactly. Whatever, you know, yeah. it's, it just uh, is always going to be that way. And that's why I get so frustrated when people talk about 
uh, somebody being like humble or whatever. I'm like, humble is a shitty term for a social media star. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it doesn't. It's not. It uh, it doesn't. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit in with uh, what's what's kind of truly going on. Because no, like, when you have social media and like, I never expected my following to blow up, and so when it started to, it's like, um, you kind of start to interact with other people who have like bigger followings, and it's like. For most of these guys, like humble is the is the is the furthest adjective to describe their personality. Like right. there are some people who manage to make everything about them, like on, on the social media, off their social media. But there are they, on the flip side of that, some of the people I was talking about earlier that have these monster totals and nobody follow them that are posting their big lifts all the time, and then you meet them. I truly am confused as to why they even have any sort of social media. It's like you meet them and you're like, you're... I think we're thinking of the same person. I think we are. <laughs> It, but you you meet them and you're like, yeah, you're exactly what I expected, and yeah. you've like I, you're still one of my favorite powerlifters. That is the one thing that it makes me pretty like, like one reason I like social media because that's typically the response I get from people is you are exactly how you are on social media. See, I would, if I was an outsider, I would think it was the opposite because you post mostly just your training videos. Well, like when we'll about story posts, like oh story yeah, posts yeah, your story, like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like I'm a USPA referee. And, uh, like, the U.S. Open last year, mm-hmm. um, like, the really inconsistent judging. I literally, like, on my Instagram was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm cool with strict judging, but, like, shitty inconsistent judging. And it's like, and I'm, like, technically not even allowed to say anything like that. But it was right. just like, I'm not going to not voice my opinion. It was shitty judging at one meet. Like, right. it wasn't just you. It was, I mean, it was, was a lot judging of on every. Well, it was judging on everybody. I was there. I mean, I got, it was, a, I got a lot of shit for those <laughs> posts. I got a lot of shit for saying that. I think everybody can understand. I think we just put too much weight into social media. We're on there too much. Yeah. You know, we're all guilty of scrolling. Mindless scrolling. Yeah. Shit scrolling. Yeah, yeah. You find yourself at some point, you realize that you've just been, you're like, oh, I was. Fucking leave the bathroom with a red mark on my face (laughs) and my knee because I sat like this shitting for fucking 25 minutes. I realized, ah, my shits went from five minutes to 33. What are some of the goals you have coming up, Garrett? Uh, In terms of? Lifting. Um... So I want to do boss of bosses next year. Um, I, Dan told me I could go this year, um, but I ended up handling some of the tribute meet. And so um, I want to, uh, obviously improvement, but like I want to deadlift 800 pounds. I want to bench over 400 in the meet finally. And um, like 2,000 pound total is my like my short term eminent goal. I'll pretty much probably only compete in reps. I'm not a, I don't, I just don't like sleep squatting. I fucking suck at it. Like, I'm better with more shit. I to what you're good at. Yeah, and so um, I, you know, I wanna I wanna squat 350 kg. It's set like 771. Like it's not a normal squat to see in 220. 800 pound deadlift is not normal to see in 220. So those are like the big two in terms of single lifts. And disclaimer, Garrett's not a true 220. He weighed 211 no, at the I Midwest Open at three o'clock in the afternoon after eating all fucking day. Yeah. <laughs> Like I, I, I you gotta I, eat up, buddy. Uh, that's the that's what I'm gonna do now. Yeah. I'm too fucking lean. I got fucking dick veins all the time. <laughs> I, mean, I got butthole veins. <laughs> Those might be hemorrhoids. But how can you see them? Uh, butthole veins? Uh, come on, everybody in the fucking world. Reverse camera. Has, uh, exactly. <laughs> no, everybody in the world has gone to a mirror or stood on their counter in the bathroom and just. Like, oh yeah, at some point, but not every day. You don't do it uh, every day. Yeah, you don't do it every day. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Well, weirdo. <laughs> got really awkward. I got really awkward. <laughs> I've never done that, by the way. Just, just so you know. Okay. 
So have you never had someone else take a picture of your butthole so you uh, could get a better look? I don't look? think so. Uh. Has your wife ever shaved your butthole? No. Okay. She's shaved other parts of, like for my bodybuilding show, like yeah. things were getting weird. Yeah. Yeah. Fat Evan, yeah. his wife always shaves his butthole. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Our friend Fat Bald Evan. Fat Bald Evan. It is... <laughs> And this is off subject, but there are hairy, there are hairy people this out is there. Butthole. There are hairy people out there, and there are some people that have anomalies. And this guy's asshole <laughs> is an anomaly. And he is, loves to show it. It's a it, You're very furry. It is a dude. Furry's it, not a it, furry's like just like a massive thing. It's like the weirdest. Like all the hairs collectively travel moving towards his asshole like moving towards his asshole like it, why but, do they bother to eat there so they try to trim this thing up but the thing is it's not like curly or it's all nice and like it's weird it looks like like what's like a fabio's chest hair like if you know who fabio is he's always like the romantic erotica yeah, yeah. book yeah, yeah. yeah it's like his chest hair but it is a collective like black hole right and they try to manscape this yeah, thing. yeah yeah no they fucking like shave it like with an electric razor because oh, it gets to the point where i mean at some point he like, can't shit anymore yeah, he can't. i mean what <laughs> like are you it's wiping a fucking, it's a, it catches it yeah i was gonna say like what are they doing back there that like this is so important like, <laughs> you never know there might be some pegging going on we have to in- investigate this a little bit <laughs> i'm so glad further. we talked about evan's asshole <laughs> That's what we came here for. We always end up talking about buttholes, I think, or quite a bit on this We podcast. talked about buttholes for like 15 <laughs> minutes in there, and yeah. we weren't even on air. We were just talking about buttholes. Yeah, so. well, it's important to keep it clean. Yeah. It is. That's part of the reason why we have, we have uh, baby wipes. Yeah. I saw that, and I thought I was in the wrong bathroom. I can't believe that you're so, like, lost I, about I, this baby wipe. It's weird. It's a baby wipe. Like, okay, here's, a, here's why I don't think I'd like a baby wipe. I don't think I'd, I'd like a baby wipe. Never even tried it. For the same reason that I don't, I wouldn't like, what are those, what are those spray things? A bidet. Yeah. Oh, for I the don't same know reason I wouldn't like that because I don't want my butthole to be wet. So I'm gonna walk around it's and wet at in some the shower, point, right? That's I dry off. What Come about on, you a, take a towel and like? What about a uh, detachable shower head? Do you not get swamp ass? Like you don't I get, get horrible, horrible swamp ass. That's what this is and for. And I fucking hate it. <laughs> That's there, what this is there's for. There's no way a baby wife's gonna help my swamp ass. Yes. No way. <laughs> That's what it's for. Detachable shower head. You know about that? <laughs> you have a detachable shower head. You can take it off and you can clean everywhere. I just clean everywhere with my hands. I like, huh. don't even use the loofah. That's not sanitary. Well, so your butthole gets wet, though. You won't use a baby wipe, but you'll scrape the inside <laughs> of your asshole in the shower with your yeah, hands? Yeah, like I'm, I'm covered in soap. Like, what? what's <laughs> wrong? Don't... What? You don't do that? Come on. I don't know. It seems... I also, like, when I wash my hair, like, I take that shampoo you and I wash... You use the same butthole hand? No. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> I always, like, wash my hair and I always, like, also wash my armpits and my pubes. Like, everywhere in my chest. Like, everywhere I have hair, I use the same shampoo. Like, is that weird? Am I the only person that does that? I don't know. I don't he, really have hair, so it doesn't. He'll go through these whatever. like he'll ask these things. One time, one time we were when then he, he pauses. Yeah, when to he, try to see if it's okay with everybody else. When he used to work for me up in South Bend, we have a warehouse and there's a bunch of guys in there, and okay. we were all sitting around, and there was nobody talking. And <laughs> Garrett goes, "Does anybody else? Does anybody else wipe their pee pee after they're done peeing?" <laughs> And it was dead silence. I mean, you're talking about it. You just send them home at that point. Eleven grown men, and he he said it just like that too. He said pee pee. He said, "Does anybody else?" I wipe? said wiener. I said no, wiener. No, you said pee pee. Oh, does anybody else wipe their pee pee when they're done peeing? And no one answered. And he his face was beet red, and he was like, "Yeah, me neither." <laughs> I like. I, 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 I don't know if my yeah. I don't know if my prostate's fucked up, but like nobody, it's like nobody else in the world dribbles for like ten minutes after they pee. I always do. I mean, a lot, of caf- a lot of caffeine will do that to you. Ni- 90 year old men. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I already look 30. I'm like a third of the way there. A Fedrin back in the day would make you like totally pee yourself. Fedrin is insane. Oh, really? You thought now you were done terrible. and you're like, yep, I went to the bathroom. And you like walk out and you're like, I just pissed myself. <laughs> I just you're like, what happened? <laughs> what, what just happened here? You're like, whoops. Uh, and then you have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that too. Yep. But it got you fired up for a workout. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what do you, so what do you do for a living? Cause you said, uh, the gym doesn't really make, uh, money selling so, drugs or what are we doing here? Yeah. Sell drugs. Uh, no, <laughs> it, it's, it's not really interesting at all, but it's he basically does sales for our company. We do, uh, we, and, and we'll open new companies all the time just to do it. Like we start new, <laughs> we have this joke <laughs> the where, patch where we go like that. Like it's just a new, a new company. Um, right now the big thing that we do is we actually, where we live is like the RV and boat manufacturer of the whole world. The whole world. Yeah. And we service them. Pretty much invented a repair process that like repairs these RVs and these boats on the line, like on the manufacturing. And the interior line. and the interior of the RV. Yeah. And I mean, right now the RV industry is kind of taking a decline. And New York Times did a huge article on it, specifically on our area. It scared a whole bunch of people. So we started another company where we actually, we manufacture OEM boat furniture that goes into the boats at the manufacturer. So, um. And so we also do upholstery. Yeah, and that's, so, and that's mainly and what, that's what he I does. Do. Yeah. I do like, um, I do actual like servicing. I do upholstery. Um, the majority of what you I do. You do a little bit of everything actually down there. No, yeah, yeah, You do invoicing, so that's just payroll, the, that's all that That's just the terms of, um, just like the actual service. I do like, um. Clean shitters. I don't clean shitters. I typically like it's. We work with a lot of casinos and restaurants, so that's typically I'm in those two realms most of the time. I do a little bit of like home furniture, and then I also do like invoicing. I do like I I'm trying to autom like automate our entire inventory right now. So I do like inventory management, operational management. I do sales calls, service calls, like a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's a small company, so like kind of have a everything type job. Yeah, cool. Got anything, Andrew? Hi, Andrew. What's up, dude? Sorry. Uh, you guys have been chatting it up, so I haven't been able to get a single word in. But uh... <laughs> he said that really, like, asshole-ish. Speaking <laughs> of... be upset over there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, speaking of asshole-ish, you guys were saying about your first hemorrhoid. How did that happen? My first hemorrhoid? Yeah, that was okay, a good so one. Okay, so my first hemorrhoid was via squat. <laughs> I was there for it. Yeah, he was there. So, like, my butthole started to rip on the way down. It was my first rap squat ever. It was, like, 435. We had, like, 170 pounds at the time. And my butthole, I felt like it was ripping on the way down. And I shit my pants. And so I go to the bathroom and I like clean up and I go to sit down to get the rest of the shit out. And it looked like somebody got fucking murdered inside of my butthole. <laughs> I mean, it, blood, looked, it looked like everywhere. somebody got murdered in there. It burst in it the whole night. I didn't know I had a hemorrhoid. I had obviously already had a hemorrhoid before that. But that was the first time it burst. And so I've had f four since. Yeah. So you've had hemorrhoids, but you still never used baby wipes. That's Baby wipes are a lifesaver in oh, hemorrhoid yeah. situations. I just let it leak out. I've had some. <laughs> I've had so many hemorrhoids at this point. Like I'm so open with it too. Actually, the last Arnold. I have gyno too. The guys. Don't ask about that next. Like I let the guys see what it looked like. Like they're like, and I just remember how appalled Beef was, but he wouldn't stop staring at my asshole. Do you take pictures of your shits and send it to your guy friends? No. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely do. I, I, like, I, I, I do that. I, 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 I need somebody else to like say something. Usually on my brother's birthday, I'll just send him just a just a massive lunker. Just bam. My, mine has to be something. I can't do stuff like that because these guys are so sick in here that I'll just I'll get bombarded with. Oh, like yeah. the grossest. The, yeah, yeah. 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 It'll just get worse and worse and worse. Yeah, uh, can't play chicken with these guys. Oh yeah, no. we'll we'll definitely one up them for sure. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be all over the wall. But uh, how did you meet your fiance? 
Uh, so we, we, uh, me and Kaylee met at the gym. Um, at the time when we first met, we were actually both in long-term relationships. She was in like a four, four and a half year relationship. And I was in a two year relationship, uh, going like a little over that. And so, um, we met there and then, um, Kaylee is five years older than me. So she's 26. Um, a little bit of Kaylee's background. Kaylee was a golden glove boxer. She was uh, undefeated in jiu-jitsu and won the Arnold. She's undefeated in Taekwondo, and she was two and one in the cage. She's a pretty badass, pretty badass woman, and a good powerlifter. She's a really and good. So powerlifter. at the time, she like kind of had a little stint with bodybuilding, and she didn't really like it. She didn't have like a great coach, and so um, I'm she met me and like you know instantly impressed by me. She was on. She got on stage once, and right? So, yeah, yeah. And so um, I like offered at the time. I wasn't charging for coaching. And so I worked my way in unprofessionally and started coaching her. And then it just developed from there. And um, I proposed um, <laughs> May 4th. I thought anybody knows what that day is. Yeah. May Who the said 4th that? Be with you, Jessica. Is that Jessica? Yeah. And so it was May 4th. Yeah. Very <laughs> oh, Star Wars. That's huge Star Wars. St- huge Star Wars. His dog's name's Plo. Did you, Plo did you catch is that? A yeah. Jedi. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so we met at the gym, and it was just, um, it's fucking awesome. She's awesome. She's, she's my driving force now. There's another one, force. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just keep just keep. What going. else you got for me, Andrew? No, I was just going to ask you what you guys think about Half Thor saying he's going to do powerlifting now. Oh, we were just talking about that. Okay. 1,003, 540, and like 90, was that 904, 903? That's what we, yeah. we we talked about this on the once we got off the flight and we were taking the car over here yesterday. We we're just talking about how we were both super excited about that and how he's probably will have top. He'll get top, top, I think he'll do like top five, top top, top six total all the time. Yeah. So oh yeah. Neat. And like the thing is, he's never done like so. So many people like I fucking love to see like all these people like like Thor and Eddie and like Robert O'Berth like posting these badass lifts and then someone commenting like. Yeah, this was this the nine seventy. I have no idea. No, but um, like like, and then you see on these comments, like, click the comments on this. Does he squat raw though? He squats in knee reps. If you click the comments, look at how many people tagged Larry Wheels and go <laughs> <laughs> and go like Larry Wheels did nine hundred in sleeves, right. and it's like, why the. The, the best thing about comment good job and go the fuck home like <laughs> and I love how Thor will post his like seven fifty for four sets of four or something you know what I mean like or whatever yeah. like he's he's just not and I think this so, is that this like, is and he fucking dunks it too he buries it all the time and he's six foot eight or nine like for a man like that to be able to squat mm-hmm. close to a thousand and just knee wraps like yeah he's, I don't give a fuck what he weighs he's fucking six eight he's absolutely massive. Um... It's going to be hard for anybody to, to catch up to what uh, Milanichev has done. It, it will be impressive to see him, to I see what if, he can do. I think if Eddie Hall competed in powerlifting. Uh, I just don't, I don't think anybody's seen Milanichev's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Because Milanichev. Is, Milanichev won't catch what Milanichev did before. So yeah. somebody has to break not, that. Not anymore. It, yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, Milanichev's squats were always pretty easy, too. That's the thing that pisses me off. I just Because I bet he could have squatted 1,100 yeah. raw. But I mean, he's it. always good for around a 900 pound deadlift. 600 pound bench. He benches around 600 pounds. Yeah, him and JP and then Price. He squats only... mid thousand pounds. Him and JP Price are the only people that ever. Uh, shout out to JP. I love you, JP. Um, 
only two people to ever squat a grand <laughs> and bench 600 in the same meet. Yeah, it's the amazing. Only two. Look at the mobility. Well, in the fucking range of motion of a giraffe. For, yeah, the mobility for Thor is, is crazy. And Brian Shaw. Like, Brian Shaw is able to get down, you know, to the deadlift bar yeah. so well. The, he gets the in fucking, such good position. There's like 700 pounds of bar. It looks tiny next to him. Yeah, they just... That's his girlfriend, oh, dude. Yeah. Have you guys seen the that, meme? That was... That was like the... That's his wife? They're married? Have you seen the I think meme of like recently. a little rat eating a giant banana? That's <laughs> hilarious. That's a, that's a, yeah, a, this is definitely the source of a lot of jokes when he posts a picture with his wife. Like we are always. <laughs> Every yeah. powerlifting page after that like posts like, like nine memes in a row after Things like that could really help, you know, help, help the sport, you know, quite a bit. Oh, it's um, so popular. I mean, yeah, yeah that's huge. He's Game so known uh, internationally, yeah. you know, and he's so known by people that, that don't lift. Yeah. And that's, you know, that those kinds of things will be important. And I think what Larry Wheels is doing, like if Larry Wheels was just competing, I would say no. I would say it's not going to do anything for powerlifting because we've had a lot of great powerlifters. But the fact that he just does it on the internet and just does it for fun, that actually will have a bigger impact on our sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because people, that's, people want the lowest uh, barrier of entry. Anyone can go to the gym and anyone can do exactly what Larry Wheels does. They'll just use less weight. Yeah. They can go in. A lot and, less weight. Yeah. They'll go in and perform a one rep max squat and they can kind of see where they stand. They can perform the exact same exercise. And that goes back to what we said in the beginning about powerlifting gear. It's too high of a, a barrier of entry. So while, you know, some of us who've been around for a while might be like, oh, I want to try out some squat gear and some bench shirts and stuff and might do a few meets and, and that side of the sport might grow a little bit. Uh, it won't be anything that like makes it the sport, you know, explode. Who's yeah. your favorite powerlifter? Uh, I got a lot of them, but. Uh, like if you had a one overall, excluding Ed Cohn. Um, I would say Stan Efferding. I don't think Stan ever got like, I, I mean, people understand how strong he is and stuff. But I don't think he ever got enough credit for like, I mean, he came into the sport. He was predominantly a bodybuilder. And he was old. And he was, yeah, he was like, I mean, he was breaking world records at 46 yeah, years old. He was old. But I loved how meticulous he was with everything. And the other thing he didn't get credit for was his form and technique. You know, yeah. people would be like, oh, beautiful he goes, squat. He goes so slow on the way down and this and that. And like, if you watch Stan, like Stan's in a lot better like shape and condition nowadays. But when he first came to us, like he, he just, he could barely walk the right way. I mean, he was just, he was, his body's just tight. He's muscle bound. He's, he's a mutant, you know, he's an exceptional athlete. Um, but. You know, if you watch the way that yeah, he used to squat, love his video. that really wide stance, the way he's able to <laughs> force his, uh, yeah, the way he's able to force his, uh, his uh, screaming all the time, the way oh, he's able it. to force his knees out uh, so well and keep a good uh, upright posture. I mean, God, this, is, this fucking meat was awesome. Was this the backyard meat too? I don't was know. Was this too? This is probably not going to be a great representation of uh, <laughs> the way that he squats because, you know, as, as we got further into it, he was just trying to really cheat the system as much as he could and he would get the bar lower and lower on his back and things like that but still a beautiful fucking squat man that's like a classic multiply yeah. squat i always wow. always i was always bummed that we don't get stand like stand efforting now like right. you think about what he did in bodybuilding what he did in powerlifting and then also how articulate he is how yeah. how smart he is just the way he talks he having him now like in his prime now would be huge. I made some, this was fucking awesome. This was my favorite part of this meet. I made some comments on his Instagram the other day because he's doing a seminar um, at uh, Jesse Burdick's gym, and I said, you know, 
don't let Stan get away from you without asking him questions about lifting. Oh yeah. Because he's going to stand up there and talk to you about diet forever, <laughs> which is great. And that's fantastic. And people do need to be uh, healthier, but Stan knows so much about lifting and, you know, ha being able to coach him was, was a huge honor. And I remember like little things, like he'd go up and he, he missed a six, I think it was six eleven bench. And, uh, and I was like, dude, I'm like the same thing we talked about in training. You didn't tuck your elbows, went back out there and he nailed it. And he was like, yep, I think I, he's like, I think I got it that time. And he ended up crushing a world record total that day. Who's your favorite powerlifter, Mike? Mine? Yeah, pick like one. You are. Oh. Oh. So nice. I always say that. I, Garrett's my favorite powerlifter. Matt Barlow's my favorite powerlifter. The close guys. Yep. My two favorite powerlifters are Chuck Vogelpool and Jeremy, is that Avila? Or mm -hmm. Yeah, Jeremy Avila. I, we had we this conversation, if it's Avila or Avila. I, I, don't think he, I don't think he cares. Yeah, he is my I, he is my favorite powerlifter now. By Have you guys met Ed Cohn before? Oh, yeah. yeah Ed, Ed talks yeah. shit to me all the time. Well, Ed comes, he comes to so many meets, too. That's Dude, the he best. is the biggest fan of the sport. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. Like, I remember he, like, he, mess he messaged me on Instagram before my last meet. He's like, he's like, you know, go kill, he always calls me fucking little guy. And I was and like, he never stops flipping me off. Every time I've seen him, he slipped me off. I, like, he, was at, he was at the US Open, and uh, I competed on Sunday, and he like, he like walked up to me. We'd never even spoken before. <laughs> He's like, he called me by my last name. He's like, you better pull 800 tomorrow. And I was like, oh, fuck. I didn't, by the way. I did not. And I have not. Sorry, Ed. He, he, you gave it a ride. I gave it a ride twice. It, yeah, I gave it a ride twice. This last this last meet, you you three, gave it a good yeah, ride. That's a, that was the third time. I've attempted 800, 804 three times, and uh, all three times got to my knee fast as fuck. Yeah, just can't finish. Ed Cohn was an absolute mutant. You know, a, a nine hundred one still a mutant. A nine hundred one sumo deadlift and eight eighty seven conventional deadlift. I don't know if you know this, but he was that nine hundred one he did. He thought he was deadlifting eight eighty one. Oh, so I, I'd the, heard that the, somewhere. Well, at the time, they, what they used to do is, um, and I'm sure you know this, you do your lift if it was a world record after they'd roll your weight onto a scale yeah. and weigh it to confirm the world record. And it was, he thought it was 881. And it's, uh, yeah, it was 901. He actually had another attempt in that meet too. And I think he tried like 927 or something. I love these videos of how big he was and, fucking jacked. How, how and, and how jacked the guys are it? that are in the background. Oh, yeah. Enormous. <laughs> you, you know what's funny too is you see these like they these, all had trend pallets from Tractor Supply Co. These these old these old Ed Cohen uh, videos and stuff. The spotters are more fucking jacked than than any. The spotters now are fucking now. danky. That's what I was just gonna say. The spotters now I don't think you have worked spotters, out before. You see the spotters are big dogs. You <laughs> see them catch that like eleven forty squat or whatever it was. They caught it like it fell off its back and they caught it two inches, mm. like two inches after it fell. They all caught it. It's fucking insane. Let's yeah, there's right been here. some there's been some amazing. Amazing lifting. Quads the gym shirt. Mm. I was inspired a lot by Ted Arcidi, who was uh, also a professional wrestler. He's the first guy to bench over 700 pounds. That's kind of like uh, one of the first like big lifts I've ever I've ever seen. It, it was and it was on you know during a uh, it was on during like a WWF uh, show <laughs> and they just like showed a clip of it. Yeah, he's crushing. That was mine. disgusting. That's why I, I always like, I love when people say like, their favorite squatter was uh, Kurowski. Kurt Krowski, yeah. but it's like Ed Cohen did what he was doing, like in a, in a, a shitty power suit. I think the Mountaineer Cup where he takes a tumble right here. But uh, Ed uh, squatted 900 for a double, I think, in just knee wraps. And, oh, oh shit. shit. 
I've Ammo. never seen that. Well, back then, too, <laughs> the knee wraps were not like the fucking knee wraps. Now. No, they those were, are ace bandages. They're ace bandages. <laughs> like fucking. And they really were. This like, is, you can uh, see it sometimes. This is the last meet he ever did. Oh. I had to see that again. Uh, yeah, we yeah. need to see that again. Nope. <laughs> Please the, uh, don't play that again. <laughs> the next clip is the last meet that he ever did when his body is just uh, broken. But he's still, I think this is like still at 800 something And this was single play. Yeah. But he still figures it out. He'll just like lean into it. You know, he just, he squatted with his back. And he's still figuring. He's never out. been afraid to like. The, the problem is like some people are afraid to admit that they squat the way they do. Like I meet so many people who like are just convinced they don't like. Cause I deadlift with a rounded upper back, and I meet so many people who are just so convinced that like, oh no, my my form is perfect. Mm-hmm. My form is perfect, and it's like, if you're finding a way to optimize your strength in this position, like, shut the yeah. fuck up and do it. Well, if you ever seen Ed Cohn lift in person, then you would quickly realize that his lifting technique is very weird yeah it's, you know? it's, it's, it's but only him but it's a hundred percent the best thing for him mm-hmm. you know and it, it nobody no two people have the same leverages no two people should have the same bench press the same squat the same deadlift. this is when he's and he's injured and he passes out in this video i, I remember, remember this one too yeah i remember this he like falls couldn't over get the, his belt off all the yeah way. he falls over <laughs> <laughs> God. this is thousand three i remember this too yeah this meet is actually where he breaks the all-time world record. But what makes Ed Cohn the best, um, you know, a huge factor with making him the best is that he broke, he broke the all-time world record for the uh, total, regardless of weight class. Yeah. Yep. As a 220-pound person, he, you know, he was able to uh, surpass. Um, I think I don't know if it was Kazmaier at the time, but it was somebody huge like that. I thought it was Kazmaier. Yeah. He, and he did it right there with that 887 pull. The, the thing he we always he always calls me skinny. He because I mean I am. Talk and trash. I, I, the first thing I, I just do one motion to him every time I see him. I just go like this. I just go like this. I just look right at him. Right in the back. He's short. He's yeah. If I short. It, it, his it, fucking hands though scare the shit out of me. I like if if I had those hands, I would be very self conscious about my penis size. <laughs> like he's got big feet too. Ugh. Mike Bridges was a badass too. And Mike Bridges used to knock the shit out of the super heavyweights as well. And he was only 181. And I think that or maybe they didn't compete against each other. I was going to say, I think he beat Ed Cohn, but I don't think they ended up on the same platform. But Mike Bridges was an absolute savage, multi, multi I time, I uh, you know, world champion. And then he went into CrossFit and did like Masters CrossFit and was good at that too. Mike Bridges did? Yeah. He did CrossFit? Yeah. I wish I could have seen like the old WPO at the Arnold, man. Like that's like the big fucking giant stage, fucking big behemoth of men. Like no, yeah. that's the cool thing about powerlifting now. It's like back then, like you knew when someone was a powerlifter. You oh, could yeah. tell they had a well, look. A lot of the geared powerlifters, yeah, there's Mike Bridges. A lot of the geared powerlifters, you know, they won't really get the credit, you know, especially the kind of more his modern son, day. Isn't his son? I'm not sure. Isn't Josh Bridges his son? No. Uh, the CrossFitter? No. no, I don't believe oh. so. I don't think they're related. Um, but, uh, a lot of the geared lifters won't get credit because there was also Gary Frank. Gary Frank was the first guy to do like 24, 25, 26, 27, and 2,800 pounds. I mean, he, he absolutely annihilated or yeah, 2,500 to 2,800 pound totals. He absolutely dominated. He crushed everybody. But Bridges was squatting like, I want to say mid eights weighing 181. Jeez. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But these squat suits and stuff too, like. You know, people will say they didn't do anything. They they did they did quite a bit. I mean, they 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 were in they were insanely tight and uh, uh, very painful. Like I like 
the cool thing for me is like I, I started lifting at such a young age. I was around for that. So while that looks like it's nine million years ago, I started lifting at like twelve. Yeah. So I, I was in. Is that your first powerlifting when you were twelve? Uh, you know, I was when I competed yeah, for the first time. I was probably about twelve years old. Yeah. So bench I've only. Been around for a long time. Was it a bench only meet? Bench only. What'd you bench? Uh, I don't remember. Mm. I wish I could remember. My first ever like competition was that push pull we did at Kentucky Muscle, and I. Weighed in at 173, I benched 265 and deadlifted 500 pounds. That was your first 500-pound pull, though. That was my first 500-pound pull? Yeah. I went fucking ape shit there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing when yeah. you do that. And you, I, yeah, you you benched how much? Two, uh, 260 or 265. My first... I think he did about 10 pounds more than that at his last meet. My, <laughs> my first sanctioned full power meet, I squatted 435 in sleeves, and I benched 270 and deadlifted 529. And that was April of 20... 16 and yes. so by october of 2018 i squatted 711 bench 385 and deadlifted 755 nice 40 pounds heavier 211 mike you gonna compete anytime soon man if i had a dollar for every time people <laughs> ask me that I, I i give myself a hard time and i truly am my worst critic but I, i'm not terrible i'm not a terrible power lifter he's a good push pull power lifter yeah but i <laughs> i the platform is for somebody that is a mental midget like myself and the platform is a very sacred place for me and I respect it a lot and it scares the fuck out of me. Mm. It really does. Um, I have to be very, very prepared for the platform. It'll be, it'll be two years this February since the last time I competed, but mm. I'm probably the strongest I've ever been right now um, at you know my normal weight too. So I don't know. It's, it's a question I get a lot. So I have Sometimes s- you have to coach yourself the way you coach other people and just say, you know what, just do a meet and well, that's see why where I, you're at and have that's fun. That's why I coach him. Yeah, right. he does. Because he, 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 if he programmed himself, he'd be pulling max effort every... <laughs> well, I, I would never program myself anyways, but... And I'm so busy right now with other athletes, I have more fun doing that. Like, I go into the gym and train myself like I'm getting ready to compete yeah oh yeah i mean garrett will tell you i'm very intense with my own training and i take it very seriously but i program a lot of people i travel a lot for meets and right now that's that's what i enjoy i i get i get pretty i get pretty juiced up to watch what about you you gonna compete again i know you've like came in out of retirement i don't have any i don't have any plans to compete in anything at the moment Mm. no no plans we do battle shits later yeah, well, I'm going to compete in that. I think I already got my second wave out. I think I'm good. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it. Strength is never weakness. Weakness is never strength. Catch you guys later.